Hello and welcome to Net That Hall for the double game week 27 matchup show. I'm of course FPL Nima and I'm joined by Gabriel Hi. at FPL Lens on Twitter. So it was a shit show of a game week last week, game. I think I've got to go straight into that because honestly, like I, I regret every decision I made, but I'm sure we'll get into that throughout the show. Um, did it go any better for you? Did you at least play the right Brighton mid? Because I didn't even do that. Of course, of course, I played the right Brighton mid. <laughs> uh, so, I, someone someone sent me a, a, a DM, and and it was a um, it was a link. Oh, it was a FPL uh, Zikri. Uh, Zik's a great guy, great FPL manager. Um, it was the first post I had written on Matoma, and the first time I had recommended Matoma, and that was November fourth. So I've been on Matoma for a while. And ever since the World Cup and uh, Roberto De Serbi said McAllister, uh, that he wants to get McAllister playing more in the 10. And we know why he had been playing deep because Pascal Gross is often needed at right back. I mean, McAllister's stats at the 10 and not just his stats, but his involvement everywhere. And at the 10, we're saying roughly that position. He has different roles within that 10, of course. Like, Like every player, you say you play the nine, but you do other things as well. Like you don't say Kane is a ten just because he drops in the midfield. He's still a nine, right? So, so McAllister at that ten is just picks himself. And March, the converted wing back that can't typically finish, and is the third option was always the third best option on the team. And there are still people now saying that it was luck. I've I've said about three quarters of the pods that I've listened to this week say that it was just variance and luck, that that if you had March, that it wasn't your day. I've seen them talking about the fact that the next two opponents for Brighton are weak down March's flank and he should be captain this week. Um, I, like, I wouldn't have even fucking owned Solly March if money was n- not an issue. Like, for me personally, because I was going to lose 0.4 million on selling Haaland for Watkins in game week 28, mm. I wouldn't be able to afford to buy Haaland back in game week 30. So... I kind of needed that 0.3 million difference between March and McAllister. So that was the only reason I got March. Like I did not feel good about it. Like I understand like he's been doing great stats and stuff, but it's what you said that really resonated with me last week. He is a wing back playing as a winger. Like I, yeah. I know people were saying, Oh, you know, he's under, he generally underperforms his XG. So actually it's quite good because he's getting good stats and he underperforms it. And I, I get the Brighton, play very well and like March can be very involved but I do think like if I you know it's not a hindsight thing like at the time I would I think we said which are the best three and I think we both wanted Matoma and McAllister I was just my team value so shit and my rank is so shit I had to like cut costs and get the fucking cheap players mm. in every position mm. so that really broke me the one that broke me the most though was actually um moving on Ben White and then, like, celebrating when he didn't start, and then he gets seven points when Zinchenko got one point. That fucking broke me too inside. Um, that's so, so those I, I think those moments, and I think that these are like let's call them lessons from the FPL beach. Hmm. It's like, look, um, Ben White didn't start the game, right? You made the right call. It's like, yeah, and what could it. I have done? Like, he got his first goal for Arsenal. And, uh, but that's that's the end of discussion, right? You you made the right call, right? If and and I think you just have to sit with that. Like Liverpool. So I've heard that there was a very well respected pod, one that we've met. I won't mention them today because I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna criticize them a little bit. Um, but one we've we've mentioned here on this show many times, one that we follow, and they actually said that the what happened with the Brighton mids was variance, 
and Liverpool are back. So they're trusting the Liverpool 7-0 over United more than the uh, Mitoma and McAllister. This is like how deeply ingrained pe – it's like a gambler's fallacy. They're so ingrained in their narratives that they, the people are not adapting to new information. But I think what we need to do, like heading into this game week, is see – like learn our lessons, if there were lessons to be learned. Selling mm – -hmm. like selling Liverpool assets, that's not a lesson to learn. That is variance. Liverpool are not going to, you know, Liverpool could struggle against a, against a deep block in Bournemouth, right? This yeah, I week. Think you were speaking to me this week and you were saying a lot of people think obviously Liverpool are fully back. And, you know, those seven goals came from, what was it, like eight or nine shots? Like, I don't know how often that's going to happen in a game. Um, I think it was more a case of United just gave up playing. Like, from my perspective, mm -hmm. as much as Liverpool did well, I just don't see, like, how they did that without United being partly to blame for this scenario. Well, and, and yeah, I, th I think we can like, um, th th yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're going over like all of the kind of just main random talking points right now. Yeah, to start the show, there's a lot going now. on. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so that let, let's go to that game. Like, I think the the first person that needs to fall on the sword for that game is Eric Ten Hag. You have an opportunity to play Marcus Rashford in behind Alexander Arnold and you play Bruno on the fucking left. Hmm. And then, and then, and then, when Bruno gets frustrated, right? Everyone jumps on Bruno, and that's true. He needs to he needs to be more regulated, right? Emotionally regulated. But Eric Ten Hag set up his team to fail, and I think I think he needs to take a big chunk of the responsibility for for the way that game just kind of fell apart for him. Tact it was a tactical disaster class from Eric Den Haag. And it looked good I, in the first half for them, didn't it? Like, obviously, they only went in at 1-0 down. Um, they were getting some chances, which obviously didn't convert into goals. And right. going into halftime, I don't think any of us would have seen that kind of result coming. Like, I, I just can't comprehend them conceding six goals in a half. Um, it, it just seems wild, right? Um, and that's why I'm saying I don't necessarily think it's all Liverpool is back. There is definitely some United element to this. Now, Kind of the reason I mentioned is if you like, I spoke to my cousin, he's a massive Ajax fan. And he mm -hmm. did tell me that a lot of the time, um, when Ajax played other kind of similar big teams, especially in the Champions League, they would like just let in multiple goals from the way they set up. And, and I do wonder if that's partly to do with this, where you look at kind of some of the results Ten Hogs had this season, you know, he is he's let in like four plus goals in a number of games. But this, yeah. like, people were saying this is a one off. I don't think this was a one-off for United because those guys are telling me, oh, the Brentford game don't count, for example. It's like, okay, so the season starts from game week three, the Liverpool game and game week 26 don't count. Like, you can't just not count random games when United <laughs> do badly. Like, that's not how it works. Um, so I guess my, my conclusion is that I don't think United will necessarily falter that much off the back of this. I think they'll come back fired up. Yeah, And equally, I don't think Liverpool are suddenly fully back just because of this either. So I think we just need to temper it a bit. Someone in the chat said this. They said, you know, this was like an anomaly game. And I would tend to agree. I think what happened happened. But I, I, I'm just, yes, it was Akshay actually. So he mentioned it's an anomaly. Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I don't think now United go on like a losing run and Liverpool turn over everyone 3-4-0. I, I don't think like that one match means that those things are now true. And, you know, I'm seeing people talking about captaining like Salah this week against Bournemouth because they've held on to him and they want to do that over the doublers because they think double game weeks are overrated. And that's fine. Like, he is a nice game, the Bournemouth game, I'm not going to lie. But that United game, anyone who tells you that that's why they didn't wildcard, they saw that coming. Like, 
that's bullshit, man. Um, so, like that is just bullshit. And one thing to say, I've got people in my like scout community tournament league, and they didn't wild card last week. They've wild carded this week, and they have basically the same team as me now. So I just feel really jealous because I feel like they gained this kind of thirty points from not wild carding in that anomaly game, and then now they've wild carded into the exact team I have. But those same people, I call them friends, so I'm not mocking them. But like they were saying that the wild card team we picked was wrong, but they've now picked the exact same team a week later. So exactly. I just think we got hit really badly that week. And what, what can you do? You just have to pick yourself up. I was fucking fuming. I wanted to delete the app, but I think you just got to be persistent, Gabe. Like you just well, got to see it through. It's it's it's. I think it's just putting things in 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 the perspective. Like it was absolute. Like the the wild card backfired, right? But yeah. the backfiring of the wild card doesn't mean that the decision to wildcard was wrong. That's just results-based thinking. And, and you have to avoid results-based thinking if you're going to main stay in process, right? And if you want to keep and that, calm and, that's and why, go on tilt, yeah. And that's why the same process applies for those wildcarding this week. That's why they're bringing in the same players. It's yeah, So yeah. It, was, it was just, it's like all of the chatter and all of the like, people upset. And, and like even when we get upset, and it's hard to control that sometimes, right? We're going to feel what we feel. But that comes from just results, and if you can just say, like, I, I look back on my wild card and I was like, yeah, you know, I would do it again. I'd probably do exactly the same thing. And, you know, like what backfired for me, I, I, I picked up Sanchez. Hmm. Right. Like, yeah, like, like, again, I, get upset? like I can't get upset because all of a sudden he's benched. Nobody knew that. Nobody knew that that would, that would happen. Right. So, so you just like realize, look, the process is good. The picks were good. It didn't work out because of an anomalous game, as as Akshay says, just to show like how anomalous this was. So I put this tweet out. Um, Liverpool in so there's been the United game and the Bournemouth game in game week four, right? Yeah. Um, in those two games, they've scored 16 goals with an XG of 6.1. And these are the two anomalous games. So you can't like say all of a sudden Liverpool are back because of this anomalous game to, to kind of like put a cherry on, on, on the Liverpool conversation. So um, I, I, then I, I worked out some numbers and I put a subsequent tweet and it says 35% of Liverpool's goals this, this season have been scored from 13% of their XG in two games. 35% of their goals scored in two games this season. Out of 26 games. Out of 26 games. That is actually fucking wild. Um, it's and <laughs> and, and, and be, that. so so what are you expecting another anomaly? You know, you, you get so many a lot. If you get if you string together anomalies, it's kind of like a thing. But is is that a thing? Are Liverpool aren't going to score that many goals? Their XG is not that high. Darwin is still a bad finisher. Salah is still still takes too many touches. Still too difficult for him to get in the box sometimes. I think one thing I do want to say, though, is like, because obviously there's been this content creator debate. And um, I think definitely like maybe for someone like myself, where half of my outfield players were literally injured, it made more sense for me to wildcard because, you know, I wake up and suddenly I have four or five yellow flags. I can't field 11 players. There were situations I did see teams where they probably didn't need a wildcard. And I do think that a lot of people, even myself included, I was starting to get influenced because I watched so much content. I did so much content. The whole timeline talks about it. And, you know, I spoke to Late Riser and he, he left all his FPL groups over the weekend. Um, he felt that he's started to like, he's not following the noise, but the noise is there, right? Like I can't, if I'm looking at Twitter every day, like the noise is there and it's kind of put him off his own process and he just wants to go back to basics and remember his process, the style that he likes to play. Mm. And I felt that deep as well because 
you know, when we were on the show last week, I remember telling you, like, I didn't think I was going to wildcard. I, I was pretty generally okay. But as we got closer and, you know, I've got Bueno's out and Ketia's out, James then is fucking out. Like, I'm looking at this team and I'm like, my bench is out. My starting 11 are out. I think I had Morris or he didn't play. So it's like, I was like, how am I going to feel the team together? So I think for me, it was my choice. But I, I do agree that the noise, I, I am going to maybe try to, for the rest of the season, do a few more Maverick things. And I'm just fed up of kind of letting the noise influence me as much because the old me, you know, I'm quite a patient manager. Mm. I would have stuck to my plan of like wildcard later. And, oh, it doesn't matter if I only have 10 players this week. I, I'm, I'm so patient normally, but... I got excited. I looked on FPL team. I looked at what my team would look like in the weeks ahead. It looked so much better than what I had. And I just got really carried away. So I guess what I'm getting at is that I don't think the problem is that content creators were making this narrative as such. I think there's a lot of people who just don't play their own game. Like they just copy someone's team. And I saw this. I actually got a Twitter request. Um, I don't even believe they're a follower of the show. Maybe they are. And they said, if I join Patreon, like will you and like, mariner and stuff like post your team pre-deadline i was like that's not what that, that hall's about like we're not here to share a team so people can copy like we're all just trying to talk about the matchups ahead what the data shows what you think from an eye test point of view and everyone should make their own decisions and you're going to enjoy the game more that way so i do find it's been a bit incredible the amount of backlash against content creators as if like they somehow held someone's mouse and press confirm transfer on their team for them like there was a fpl nymphria you know, she was yeah. getting like death threats and shit. She had to like delete her Twitter account for a few days and the police were investigating. So that's just not on. So please guys, just be kind. Like if you're choosing to consume content, that's great. But like, don't copy someone and then give them death threats because like they well, sold Liverpool on Wildcard. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and that, that's just like flat out just fucked up. And that, that person can rot somewhere. But but what one thing I will say is um, on, like we've always said we don't spoon food spoon feed people on this show right mm -hmm. um that's always i don't know if i'm breaking up or you're breaking up but uh but I, i'm gonna keep going with this we always say we don't spoon feed on on this show um so and that's and we always and we always talk about process versus outcome right and that's why we we don't go over our game week i scored this many points we don't really g get into that on on this show but one thing i'll say is i honestly don't give a fuck if anybody wants to copy anybody's team and I don't know why people care about this. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't let, care let people copy. Either. And if people yeah. want to blame other pe the people that they copy, then let like people are gonna be idiots. Just like you can't like save everybody, right? Mm -hmm. I, I honestly, if, if someone wants to like get my team ID and copy my team and do everything that I do, it it honestly it does not affect me one bit. Do whatever the fuck you want. If you want they, to come yell at me because you did yeah. that later, you can do that too. Come, like, come at me. I'll come back at you. Like, I I don't care, man. I, I was going to reply to this guy um, when I get a chance. I will. I was going to say, mate, like, you really want to see a team reveal from me? Like, I'm struggling to maintain a six-digit rank. Like, you want to <laughs> pay money to see my team? Like, mate, I am not the guy to follow this year. Like, last year I had my best season in nine years. And this is just this year I'm going to take a lot from. I think I'm just going to try and enjoy these final weeks and yeah. test things out, learn things, try to compose myself to the noise better. And I hope I can bounce back a bit next year. The only positive thing for me, Gabe, was um, so I in my Sky Fantasy team, I did have Salah. And in fact, I captained him, which not many people did. They all went for Rashford that day. Hmm. And I am now sitting at 59th in the world in Sky. I say wow. in the world, you can only play if you're from the UK. So that's yeah. a bit. 
it's not in the world, but I'm still pretty chuffed with that. Uh, 59th, first place wins £50,000 tax-free. I'm going to try for that. I've, I've got like 10 transfers left in the game. You get a set number of transfers. So yeah. I've used a few too many, but I'm going to try go to number one. So I'm just going to focus on Sky now. I'm a Sky there you go. the whole time. You, you know you are um, you are beholden uh, to uh, Net That Hall as as your sponsor. And Net That Hall will take a cut of, of any earnings. If I win any in, earnings. In, in, on any platform. I think it's it's in the fine print in your contract. Cool. All right. So we'll go to the philosophy now and the matchups. But I think it was good to just have just a kind of two-way chat, just see how yeah. we felt about the week, about process, about the decisions we made and generally being kind to others. And yeah, I agree with you. I don't care if people copy. Now, quick couple shout-outs before we go to um, the philosophy. So Blue Danube Joe, thanks for cheering in. He's going to watch the replay. We have Elron, thank you for tuning in, one of our uh, Patreons. Akshay, one of our YouTube haulers. Good to see you, mate. Claire FPL, lovely to see you too. We have... One FDE, apologies. Yeah, Mariner is still traveling for work. I hope he'll be back after the international break at the latest. FPL goal afternoon. Thanks for tuning in live. Travis McKill, good to see you back. Delia, lovely to see you as well. Uh, Prince Ohakwe, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Apologies. Nice to see you as well. And Mike Halpin, good to see you, Uncle. <laughs> um, Burglar, good to see you, buddy. Just seeing if I missed anyone. K7. Yep, Game Week 26 fellow victim. Who else we have? FPL Sandwich, thank you for tuning in as well. And yeah, I'm definitely now starting to worry about the snow. That will be the final fucking nail in the Game Week 26 uh, wildcard coffin. That 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 will that will push me beyond tilt, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, Akib, good to see you, man. Yep, it's definitely the week for ranting. Anyone else we've missed before? Go? Dread, good to see Dread and... Just a point on what we discussed. People need to take responsibility for their team and the decisions that they take on board. 100% agree with that, Dread. Fancy Manager Weekly. Um, good to see you. Yeah, so the captaincy metric, um, feel free to copy that. But again, if it goes wrong, then it goes wrong. But um, I generally go against it most weeks because I think I'm just a bit biased. Um, I, I seem to think I can outdo the data, but it hasn't quite worked out for me this season. <laughs> um, who else do we have? Anyone missing? Duncan as well. Lovely to see you, Duncan. Um, we met at, we actually met at one of the first kind of fests, I think it was. And there will again be hopefully a kind of pre fantasy football fest meets this year. So normally it's on a Friday where game week one deadline is. And obviously, fest doesn't start till like 4 or 5 p.m. So we'll meet for lunch at 12 p.m. in the first day there and host a lunch so everyone can, especially if you're coming on your own, you can meet some other FPL fans, have some food, and then make your way to fest where you at least feel like you know some of the people in the room and it's not as daunting as when you walk into a room with 200 FPL managers um, and you don't know anyone. So definitely come to the meets for lunch first if you are coming on your own. But yeah, let's get into it. And um, I'll be starring the questions as we go. I've already starred a couple for later and we will answer them in the Q&A at the end. But yeah, FPL philosophy of the week for game week 27, Gabe. Uh, kick us off. I see this week's philosopher is a fellow content creator. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we're, as as everyone is lambasting content creators, not our haulers, of course. Like I, I've gotten no hate. I'd never get it hate. Our haulers are amazing. Love you guys and girls and everything in between. But this week's uh, philosophy of the week comes to us from Josh Landon from the Always Cheating podcast um, at Hail Cheaters on, on Twitter. Uh, we were having a discussion um, just regarding the wild card last week and all of that, and and he wrote this. I told him I was going to use it in the FPL philosophy. He says, "Having restraint gets you nowhere." Now, 
it seems like um odd week to come in with with this statement because we felt this way and last week and the, and many of us wild carded because you know we want to be aggressive and attack the game weeks and we had a lot of the information that we needed to attack those game weeks and it didn't work out but i think it's precisely because of the fact that it didn't work out that we need the reminder that if you know if you did if you like fell asleep on your ass and you just like left a sala captaincy you hauled right but that's not how the the way I, I, in general FPL or or life works, right? You have to kind of like seize the opportunities, always like be mindful and be aware and take the opportunities that are there in front of you. And and it, I think what this was in regards to the context of this quote was was the game week twenty seven uh, bench boost. So it's like an old maxim of wild card, and then the week after wild card, the week before you bench boost, right? And for some reason, like everybody wildcarding last week, they just autumn went on autopilot and went for the 29 bench boost when there are there's almost a month in between the wildcard and that and that 29 bench boost. There's an international break, there's FA Cup games, there's European Cup games. There's a lot going on in between there, and a lot can happen. So um i think by attacking game week 27 with the bench boost and i don't know that it'll work out i don't it might not right i, I could i could fall on my face in my bench boost but the point is that um i could have restrained myself and gone with the herd and mm -hmm. i think the bench boost 27 is a little way to uh not have restraints no, I, I I like your plan. Mike asks, is that Josh Landon the quote, or is it Don Rumsfeld there, Gabe? Oh God, poor Josh. <laughs> he just he's just been compared to Donald <laughs> Rumsfeld. Oh man, I, I I'm gonna have to reach out to Josh and see how he feels about that. What, <laughs> <laughs> Mike? Uh, Akim, is is this the Fifty Shades of FPL? Uh, good to see you, blue footed Bobby, my man. I hope you're recovering from the death threats of your uh, early team news when we met up at the FPL meets last month. Um, so, yeah, it looks like you get death threats if people copy your team. You get death threats if you put out team news. I love our community. I know Twitter can be quite toxic, and I think generally FPL community is quite kind, but it does feel that a lot of people are kind of trying to kind of have trump cards over each other recently and say, oh, look, like, I've got this receipt of a tweet you sent six months ago. Look how wrong your take was. Um it definitely feels like people are just trying to like social media slaughter each other lately, which um, I'm, I'm not really up for that. I'm, I'm, I'm all about, you know, bridging our community together and trying to meet offline and watch the games, have some food, like have a good time. Like, you know, no one in our lives cares about this game as much as we do. So it's nice to meet other FPL managers. So please just try to keep this community kind, guys. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, everyone is just out there, like, murdering each other like drive-by uzis on my timeline um i think i need to make a twitter list and just go off the timeline because it's it's been a shit show since eon musk took over but yeah no i i agree with this about having restraints gets you nowhere uh i funnily enough i actually it was i didn't want to restrain myself by not parkouring that led me to this shit show so that's the funniest <laughs> part about this normally i'm so restrained and I just thought, well, loads of my players are out. They're flagged. Let's just go for it. Like, the team looks great for the next few. But what can you do, right? What can you do? Let's go to the matchups. I think we're 23 minutes in. Um, we won't talk about last game week anymore. I think we do generally like to look ahead at the matches coming. And obviously, yeah. the captaincy metric, the net XG, and the FDR. So we're going to move focus onto that now. 
If you do enjoy today's episode, if you find it entertaining, if we make you laugh, please do hit that like button and subscribe if you're new. This time I thought I'd get the plug in early because last few weeks I didn't even remember to ask people to like the show. So that shows uh, that, you know, when we go at 4 p.m., I'm a bit more with it than uh, some of those 10 p.m. streams, that's for sure. For sure. So what's the first game? It's uh, the guys we were talking about, <laughs> Liverpool versus Bournemouth away. Um, why don't I let you take this one away? What What do you think? Because I know people who are wildcarding this week. And one of the reasons I kind of went early was because I felt like if I didn't move my Liverpool players last week, I felt like I wouldn't be able to this week against Bournemouth. Mm -hmm. So now if you're in that situation, if you have the Liverpool players still going into this game, does the data suggest that maybe you should hold on to them? Like, would you be against holding on to them? Because, you know, the double in 29 isn't great. They obviously blank in 28. I think they play Arsenal in 30 straight out of that crap double. So... Mm. What are your thoughts? Like, would you still be holding on to some of these players if you didn't wildcard last week? Like, is this a good enough matchup? I mean, I, I think your initial instincts were right on. It, it, it's it's so difficult to sell them now, right? Like, this is so this, difficult. So, so I think you have to kind of hang on to them, certainly for this matchup. But the data, while improving for Liverpool, still not great. You know, you can see, you know, the, the data is kind of mostly all in, in agreement here. Um, we have uh, NetXG, Bournemouth 1.05, Liverpool 1.21. Uh, the FDR is Bournemouth uh, 0.8, Liverpool 0.9. Um, so I, in, in that sense, the, the data is in agreement. Um, if you look at the shots goal predictor and, and even the shots on target goal predictor, while Liverpool does a little bit better because of their more recent performances, um, certainly that 7-0 is propping this up as well, the anomalous performance. Um, it's pretty even across the board, except for if, if we're picking out matchups here, um, uh, the goalkeeper Neto at home has been quite good. And that's that could make things difficult for Liverpool. The headed matchups for Liverpool is really favorable 3.4. Um, and, and then if we look at like none of the zonals really stand out, um, I think the shots on target for Liverpool as well, since if, if that continues to improve, then Liverpool might be back. So I think last week when we did the show, Liverpool, we were saying Liverpool are definitely not back. Then after seeing the 7-0, it's like, okay, it's too early to say whether they're they're back or not. You know, we need to move mm -hmm. slowly in that direction. But if those uh, shots on target can, can continue to stay, like if they're getting about 55% of their shots um, on target or something, or their shots in the box, if they're on target then then there could be something good there but look at the the big chances about equal matchup right expecting about three big chances um per side honestly a 1-1 a disappointing 1-1 wouldn't surprise it would be about as expected as like a 3-0 liverpool or a 3-1 liverpool win i do think bournemouth get a goal at home though yeah, so last week obviously um that came against arsenal um, I, I was predicting the scores and someone was like, Billing's going to score. And <laughs> I was just like thinking of them when the goal went in. I was like, you fucking bastard. Um, so yeah, no, I I, I can see um, Bournemouth scoring in this game. I, I do think Liverpool get a comfortable win either way, personally. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be too concerned going into this match. But it is interesting that on the next G side, it is just that 1.21 compared to 1.05. Um, you know, that, that that is a lot closer than I thought. And then 
the FDR also agrees, right? 0.8 and 0.9. So I do think that that one piece of data, that one match isn't enough to sway the metrics um, where it's kind of looking at a longer period. Um, mm -hmm. and, we, and we do need to wait and see. But if I had the Liverpool players now, is there an argument for captaining them? I guess we'll see the captaincy metric, but is there a world in which you would captain Salah against no. Bournemouth? No. 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 I, I, think there's, I think there's zero argument for captaining a Liverpool player. So like Travis has a question about Liverpool. I think it's an apt question. So we'll cover it now instead of in the Q&A because it seems yeah. relevant. And then we'll move to the next matchup. So he says, uh, how will they respond the next time they're getting cooked in midfield and behind Trent? Probably have to wait till the Madrid match to find out. Obviously, as a Madrid fan, um, I'm sure you can give us uh, some thoughts both on whether you're going to cook them in the next leg and if they have any hope of qualifying. And also, like, what are they going to do in the Premier League the next time something like this happens? Liverpool will score first at the Bernabeu. They might even win the game. They have no chance of qualifying. Zero. It's 5-2, right? 5-2. Okay, yeah, that, that that is tough. Man. At the Bernabeu as well, like, damn. Yeah, that, I, I don't see that. Can, being you, can you picture Liverpool keeping a clean sheet? Definitely no. not. No, we, we, we were last week, remember? We were live while the match was on for the first half. <laughs> yeah, and obviously, okay. you guys went 2-0 down and someone in the chat must have been like, oh, you're scared. And you were like, mate, have you watched Madrid? Um, <laughs> you were like, we don't even play till the second half. And then obviously, you went on to win 5-2. Um, that, that was fucking wild. Um, you called that one last week. Uh, yeah, sure. yeah. So, so, I mean, if you think Madrid are going to score, then Liverpool has to score a minimum of four goals. So they're they're done in, in the Champions League. And, and if Klopp... I think I think it would um, it would be smart of Klopp to to maybe start some kids, get them kind of a high profile experience and stuff like that, and and it would be smart for Ancelotti to to um, to rest some of his players as well as uh, we we've been struggling in the league. So I was um, going to say I saw you guys um, drew with uh, Real Sociedad. Obviously, United are playing tonight. You, you drew with Barca, was that right? Like you've had a few cagey games since that big victory against um, Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and before li the Liverpool game, we had a like a difficult run in. Um, mm -hmm. So I, the league, it's not over yet, but Barca, Barca has a firm grip of the league and we'll probably just have to settle for winning the Champions League again. No, of course. Um, and so what about um, from the Bournemouth side? Is there any assets? Um, obviously, they, they have a decent double, I would say. Um, I think in the chat, Matthew Kane mentions uh, Dominic Solanke. Three fantastic home games in that time should be everybody's trans on top of everybody's transfer target. Um, I guess the difficulty is there's only three forwards, right? Yeah, that's and, it's the opportunity cost, right? It's like who would he be instead of, I guess, because a lot of people will have Kane, and we'll talk about him when we get to the Spurs matchup. I'm sure, so I don't want to rant about him yet. But so we got Kane, we got Haaland. Obviously, I, I'm potentially going to move him out just for 28 and 29 and bring him back. Then there's people like Felix. Watkins, yeah, Nacho. There's a lot of players that you could be going for in these slots, right? Mm -hmm. There's Darwin owners. Um, I I'm not sure if I'd be looking for the Bournemouth striker. I, I personally think Forrest's double game week in 29 is better. And if mm -hmm. it was me, Brennan Johnson is someone that maybe I would actually want more than Solanke. I think Solanke has the nostalgia of he did well earlier this season for a while, but there's a reason they're priced the way they are. These, these kind of enabling assets. I, I just personally don't see a world in which I'd rather have him over, say, Watkins, uh, who plays Bournemouth at home. Like, I'd rather have Watkins, Bournemouth at home in 28 than I would have Solanke away to Villa. Yeah, so that's just my thoughts. But obviously, like, 
go with your gut and a lot of these are coin flips like these are shit assets from shit teams no, no yeah and then and then, you know so far we were we were on the the wire stream this morning and so far always says and they said it again this morning is get the good players from the good teams and you know the brighton players are good players from good teams and bournemouth is i mean any bournemouth player is a punt right um i, I agree brennan johnson is much more interesting than uh so blanky um but um who was a uh, fpl uh blue footed mentioned uh watara is being slept on um 28 hill feast and i don't disagree with that i, I like that show the, the watara show he's he's an exciting player no i like so blue footed i i love him man uh, we, we met the last meet and he definitely plays the game his own way so it's nice to see him calling out some names that are not just template picks um I, i've seen a lot of people going against the template and it has worked for them in recent weeks um mm-hmm. who else do we have so claire got johnson three weeks ago but didn't start him until last weekend so yeah, you were early on that, and I think you can definitely do well with the games ahead for him. Let's go to the next match. I guess my, my answer here would be, I don't know if I would be selling any of these bright, uh, sorry, Liverpool players this week. Maybe next week, because that double in 29, maybe you don't like it so much. I, I would probably still hold them for this week, despite what the data says. I just think the psychological impact of beating one of your biggest rivals like that it's going to carry through. And if they get knocked out by Madrid, which we think is pretty certain, they will only have the Premier League to focus on. Yeah. Like, it would not shock me if Salah in 29 in that tougher double outscores all the players that we want from, like, Brighton, Brentford, fucking Villa, Leicester, all these other Chelsea, all these good doubles, right? Um, Yeah. It would not surprise me if he on his own single-handedly fucking wraps them all up points-wise. So I would be in no rush to sell him and not this week. Everton v Brentford. Um, Spare some thought for the Tarkovsky owners. Minus four is only a minus two in a double game week. Turns out <laughs> that he got zero points in the double game week and zero points in game week 26. Can he continue that hat-trick and get zero points again this week off the back of an Ivan Tony hat-trick? What do you think? He's a shit player on a shit team, so yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's honestly, like, it's been so frustrating. He was someone I almost bought, and... um I just feel like I dodged a fucking bullet there. I'll be honest with you. Um, I did that. Damn, man. Like, yeah, that's bad. so bad. And it made so much sense at the time. He freed he up was money. So He's cheap, getting the right? far post headers, right? He's scoring he so cheap, man. Um, but yeah, the data here, Brentford, uh, NetXG says Brentford 1.69, Everton 0.91. FDR says Brentford only slight favorite at 0.4 and Everton negative 0.4. Um, yeah, Dredd says Tarkovsky is the prime example of double game week fever. Exactly. <laughs> bad bad players on bad teams with two games. What could go wrong, right? Um, the one thing I'll say is Raya at home is bringing Everton's numbers way down. Their net XG is uh, 0.91. I don't know. The, the, the metrics aren't really in alignment here as, um, as net XG likes Brentford's attack much more. Um, I'm trying to see kind of like where that's coming from. You Is know, it the goalkeeper for Everton 0.03? Could it could it be partly that? No, that so the the goalkeeper as long as it's close to zero and if there's a black box around it, it means there's minimal effect. Fine, okay. Um, so the the effect would be for for Raya away, and that's why it's it's red because it's a bad matchup for the box. Is red? It's a bad matchup for Everton. But I mean, this is um, I mean, look at the central. The central matchup is actually better for Everton than it is for Brentford. Again, I think that's a, a factor of home and away. But the Brentford-headed matchup, positive uh, two two point seven. You know, me 
Pinnock, um, Henry. That, oh, that's another. We didn't talk about Henry, right? And that was that was variance. That was just unlucky. Well, that was unlucky. painful. Was it the Mbomo early assist when he? Yeah, Mbomo. Like, I think it was harder to miss that than than to to score. And and then uh, Henry would have hauled as well. So, um, I don't know. Going to Everton. I, I don't see this as a walk in the park for Brentford. I think they'll win comfortably, but maybe like a 2-0 comfortable. I think not... it depends on Calvert-Lewin for me. Um, mm. He's not been fit much this season, but like when he played against Arsenal, like he was just the heartbeat. Like his hold-up play and the way he gets in the air and some of those headers that he, you know, if he got them on target against Arsenal, I'm sure he would have scored. Um, he, he, I just really like him, but I just think he's obviously got issues staying fit. And Matthew Kane here, he... He says McNeil's been putting in lots of excellent crosses and obviously like after the international break when Calvert-Lewin's back, things may change. But mm-hmm. for this game with Calvert-Lewin probably not back then, it sounds like, then I think it will be tough for Everton. As a double Brentford defensive owner, I'm certain that Everton will find a way to score. We'll find a way, yeah. I, I just know it. Like I just we like a Damari Gray fucking wonder goal from uh, from no angle. That, but that what goal. about Pinnock? Like obviously, like people brought him in to score a set piece goal, and he scores yeah. from like the edge of the box off his feet. Like <laughs> what the fuck, man? Like what the fuck? But but he's uh, always gonna be there, right? Like it, yeah. on on set pieces and stuff. Like I almost I I had Pinnock and I and I went for and I and then I switched and I went for Henry in, in the end because. I blame um, Mariner. Yeah, well, well, the thing is, <laughs> me and Mariner had Henry, and I bet we influenced you without subconsciously, without realizing. No, no, because then Mariner got pissed off at me for telling him to go. <laughs> oh, he because oh, he went Henry as well. Yeah, he blamed you, didn't he? But uh, but Pinnock, you know, Pinnock could be rotated with Jensen coming back and stuff like that, and that's why that's why I went that's with, what's with Henry. Me off, yeah. Like, um, but but one thing that, and and this is something that uh, it was an oversight on my part is. Henry can sometimes be pinned back when Wissa plays. Henry, it's Henry's better in the in, in when they're three oh, at the back. back three, yes. yeah, so when yeah. Back formation. And, but even so, even with the back four, Henry almost got a return. So I, th- I think just uh, hold strong. Brentford's defense is good. I don't like Brentford's defense in twenty nine though. I think they concede in both matches. I think in the double game week from Raya and like if you have uh, the Raya Henry double up, I'd say you'll to expect between four and six points yeah it does not look good for me um i think just in terms of captaincy because this will be one of the doubles for um everton so for brentford um where are you leaning i know we'll get to captain metric we'll talk about it more then but my bus team currently i've been on tony since the game reloaded i'm i'm on i've been I've, i'm already i've already decided i haven't full disclosure um yeah i i've made my i made my decision before last week <laughs> And it, it's it's McAllister. He's my captain. Nice. Yeah, no, I like that. Cool. Let's go to uh, the next game. I think Leeds versus Brighton. There's a lot of fears at the moment about ex-snow, expected snow. I hope yeah. Leeds have uh, a heated pitch and like the game goes ahead. But I've seen some weather forecasts at like minus seven degrees at 2, 3 a.m. By the time the match is due to kick off, it looks like one degree with a bit of wind. I don't know. Like you would think surely like in this day and age like that's fine but you know like we have we don't see many games cancelled because of the weather but there was one recently um in the last couple of seasons so this just makes me nervous um does that put you off that brighton captaincy or are you you just Not gonna wait till like I... close to deadline and see we, what the weather had, forecast looks like in that we morning? had the one game at burnley right remember a couple seasons ago yeah. one game 
that was canceled and that and that weather was like insane there was like a like an arctic typhoon or some crazy thing right what do we have we, it's going to be cold and there might be some flurries and some snow sticking to like I, this feels like like FPL managers getting their panties in a bun, in a bundle and and just looking for something else to worry about. It's like reduce the th the the worry in your life. Don't increase it. I'm not I'm not even I'm not paying attention to the weather. Yeah, no. FPL sandwich says West Brom Arsenal played in snow. That's worse than this. Yeah. Um, FPL Bluefitter says the last cancellation was November 2021 due to pitch issues. Leeds won't have that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I'll be like, I love you, Andy Martin, if you're listening, but I know that you started this because like weeks ago, like he was like, I'm not going to wildcard in 26 because aren't you guys worried about the potential snowstorms coming in <laughs> one month time in March? He started this propaganda a month yeah, ago did. and he's now kept quote retweeting it. And next thing you know, like all the big accounts are like, oh yeah, look at the fucking weather forecast in Leeds this week. And oh my God, like the match might get canceled and it's really cold. And I'm like, <laughs> Andy, you have stirred up the entire fucking community, my brother. So I love you for that. But um, it's just hilarious in my opinion, because he called it like a month ago and the panic has now set in across the more, uh, the wider community. <laughs> that is just honestly madness. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just what you were saying. Like, uh, Leeds facilities over Burnley facilities. So yeah, I just think Burnley's facilities maybe weren't quite right. We are starting the questions, guys, as they go as well, by the way. So we will put them up at the end and go through them very Yeah, quickly. keep them coming. There's some good questions in there. I'm looking forward to them. Definitely. So let's see what else we're going to do. So the next matchup is Leicester versus Chelsea. And wait, 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 wait. Go back, go back, go back, go back. Oh, there's still something you want to add. Okay, sorry, go on. Well, I mean, we, we need to cover... I mean, it's Leeds-Brighton. Yeah, I suppose... Yeah, I, I feel bad for the Leeds part. I was going to just move... I think the reason... Well, we, we, sorry, we, haven't, we haven't even covered the like the individual players in this matchup, right? Yeah, that's true. Like, I, I guess for me, it's just... I feel like if you don't have... Like, everyone has Brighton mids now, and it's like, at the beginning of the show, we said what we think are the best. Um, I regret owning March, that's for sure. Hmm. What do you think? People were saying, obviously, Mitomo only had the one shot last game. I still think he's just an absolute baller, right? He's like PhD Mr. Dribbler. He's like yeah. the dribbler. So for me, he's like their best player. And, and like, dribbler, I, dribblers win pens as well. Yeah. Like, so that's not like an unexpected thing. <laughs> no. And, and if, you look, if you look at the data here, um, Brighton 1.46, NetXG, Leeds 1.37. FDR has Brighton 2.3 with Leeds 0.4. So NetXG likes Leeds' attack more than um, more than the FDR does, um, especially especially at home. But Leeds recently haven't have been kind of like dipping. And if you you can see that in the shots model goal predictors, where you know a 38% chance of one goal, 32% chance of zero goals, according to the shot predictor. Shots on target, 40% chance of a Brighton clean sheet. Um, so I'd give it around, like put it somewhere between that, maybe 35% chance of a bright and clean sheet, decent, not, not great. Um, but certainly better than the fixtures in 29. I think regarding the mids, I don't think the data tells us anything about the mids. Like if let's look at the players, right. And if we look at like, um, so Solly March will be going up against Pascal Strauch, right. Yeah. And, uh, and Matoma will be going up against Luke Ayling. Yeah, yeah, or no, behind Luke Ayling if Luke Ayling keeps getting forward the way he has. So I just feel like Matoma is going to be in more space. Um, it and it depends. The leads aren't going to sit in their shell either, right? So they're 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 not going to kind of need that third option. I think I think the first and second options 
um, will be good enough for Leeds. That being said, Pascal Strauch, um, he's he's not a great defender. He's he's had some good games this season, but he's not a great defender. And and March can definitely get in behind him because he's not the fastest either. He's he's like a bigger player. So March March could get in behind him. And and for those considering like Akib here, Akib, <laughs> the the rant man himself. Um, he's considering March to McAllister. I think if you've made your bed, yeah, you have to lie in it. Like, like there are so many other transfers, like with doubles and blanks coming up. You don't want to go from one doubler to the other doubler. Um, it's not you, you, you picking March is March is not a bad asset at all. And, and he could definitely re return or certainly haul in this one. So if, but if you're making your bed now, I mean, it's, you know, I, yeah, I have yeah. not been shy about saying who I like. So. Well, you keep calling him a wing back, so that kind of says it all about our opinion on his finishing compared yeah. to someone like a Mitoma or Mr. World Cup himself, McAllister. Oh, and, and here's the other thing. And, and I think every single pod I've listened to this week, they say McAllister is not a good finisher. If he's not a good finisher, why does why does he take pens on every single team he plays for? The it guy seems, seems a bit of an odd one, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You, if, you know, at the moment, like um, I think Arsenal and Chelsea are like, like Brighton are reserved to potentially losing him in the summer and Arsenal and Chelsea have him like high up on their list. Like I don't see like how McAllister survives the summer at Brighton. If I'm perfectly honest, like one of the big six is going to come sweeping in. I'd rather play at Brighton than Chelsea money aside. Of course. Well, well, we saw, well, we saw what happened to some of the guys, uh, Cucurella who made that move. Um, and then obviously Basuma went to Spurs and we saw how that ended up. So maybe the big six isn't always more glamorous. And you can yeah. play such exciting football for Brighton. I do, I do really like Brighton. I have a soft spot for them this season. Um, I, I'm keen to see how Deserby gets on as well. I think he's been very good, and for a long time we've avoided their assets because they would miss that game in 25. And that's another lesson I'm going to take into next year. Is like, I can't believe that like we all waited till after the blank to buy the players from a team that has like a solid like two to three xg every game since the zerbi took over like it's not like he took over recently right so i just find that a bit crazy um i i, I don't know why i waited so long because of one blank a month later or something yeah i mean actually for for mcallister the one small concern i do have in this match is uh is the effect of tyler adams i think tyler adams is a really good player and and, and mcallister is a bit of a hothead and tyler adams knows how to get under people's skin so, um, so I think Tyler Adams could disrupt McAllister a little bit. Make that's the one risk that I would say. Sounds good. Um, Dread saying, can we have McAllister at Liverpool? I think you guys are definitely looking for some midfielders. That's Ooh, for sure. McAllister at Liverpool would be <laughs> that would be sick. I think it would be better than um, a lot of people saying Mount would be great for that system. I think Dread and I would both probably, if I was Liverpool fan, I think we'd rather have McAllister than Mount. But for sure, that's a different discussion. Um, Leeds assets, obviously, those who held on to Nonto, he didn't start. Do we think that that's a concern going forwards with so many good assets? Like they do double in twenty nine. So, is he someone we move on at this stage, or like, do you just kind of hope that he's back in? No, I, I would move him on. That was my thinking, yeah. yeah I just think there's so many exciting assets out there. Yeah, exactly. You're missing out on something and, and the uncertainty would be too much for me. Cool. All right. So what is the fourth game of the week? Leicester versus Chelsea. So yeah, so obviously they've reverted to this back three with the wing-back system. There was talk of uh, Rhys James being on penalties, him and Havertz. So if Havertz isn't on the pitch, Rhys James has penalties. Chilwell's basically playing left wing in this new system. 
Are they back on the menu? They they obviously don't blank in 28. They, they face Everton. They have an okay double. Like, are, are the Chelsea boys back on the menu? Does, does Felix excite you? I think the wingbacks are the ones that excite me the most. But how often have we seen them both fit and play together in the lineup? Like, it's very rare for Chelsea that they both ever start together. And I think that's been yeah. one of the concerns for them in the last few years. I, I think I think you need to look at the the, pro- the progression on the return from injury and Chilwell has been obviously suffered some a pretty, pretty severe injury and he's been eased back in little by little playing more getting more and more involved. And I think that progress should, should, um, should give you, you know, should make you feel good about Chilwell as an asset. And then the other thing is just Chilwell. He's always been closer to the box than James. James, James's deliveries are second to none, but Chilwell shoots, right? Matthew, uh, Matthew Kane said yeah. he went for Fofana in 26. Seven points from game week 1 to 25, 14 points in 26. <laughs> That's amazing. Love that. Um, and so so I would say for game week 29, right, everyone's talking about United. So I was going to get Luke Shaw, and now I'm thinking that when I move on my Arsenal defender, I would rather go for the you know the Chelsea defender. I I wasn't gonna get a defender, but now I I, pref- I think Chilwell's a better asset in the double than Shaw. But by far, I don't I don't think United keep two clean sheets, so Shaw would need an attacking return to make it worth it. Now they can um, both blank in thirty two. So FPL Sandwich makes a good point that Chelsea, United, Brighton, and City can blank in thirty two. Mm. Obviously, you never know. Maybe United capitulates and gets knocked out by Fulham after what just happened. But I think that's just wishful thinking on my behalf. But um, if the teams that we think will win the next round win then these four will all blank. And I think that's where, kind of closer to the time, there's going to be a big decision to be made because the likes of Brighton and United and City as well, they will all double in 34, as will probably Liverpool with decent fixtures. So I think you get into a crossroads when you get there, and we'll talk about it closer to the time, where you might have loaded up on three United players or a Chelsea player and two United players in 29. You also have Haaland. You might buy another City player for 30, what, 30 and 31. There is an argument to be made to free hit that week, I think. Um, mm. It would allow you to hold on to these assets before they then double in 34, so you'd be quite well set for that double. The alternative, if you didn't want a free hit, I think, personally, and you still have your wildcarders, you could dead end into 32 and then wildcard in 33. I think mm-hmm. Fella here, who he has now wildcarded, but he was considering wildcarding in 34. Sorry, wildcarding in 33 free hitting in 34 and then dead ending into 32. So there's a few routes still. Alternatively, when United blank in 32, you could move them on for Liverpool who play Forest that week and you're bringing them in ahead of like the next double, but then you're losing United players who then double two weeks later too. So I think that free hit scenario will become a bit more apparent for those who have it. For those who don't have a free hit though, is it quite dangerous, Gabe, maybe to be loading up on like say triple Brighton, triple United, two Chelsea, one City, like... Suddenly, you don't have many players left in 32, and you don't have a chip to get out of it. So you're going to then be selling 34 doublers to get through the blank in 32. It's like, it's tough. I think if you didn't have a free hit now, and we don't know how the cups will land, you may want to avoid some of these, like tripling up on some of these teams, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I think that's that's the great point. Um, you can't have too many of those players that are going to blank, right? So I, I, I would like, what, what I do is I take my team now, and then I take the team that that I want for whatever the blank is, in this case, 32, and I work backwards. It's like, how? what do I need to do to get to this team in 32? And then I work backwards. And if there's too much to do to get to that team, 
then I have to simplify that team. If I have to take too many hits to get to it, then I'll have to tweak that team so it, so it becomes a simpler path. Um, but I would backwards design the team in, in, in that case to make sure you're okay for 32 and you're not just like being um, distracted by the shiny object, that shiny new player, and you just get them, and then you're in 32 and like, damn, I used my free hit in 25. And, and yeah, you end up screwed. So, um, but yeah, as far as, and actually, uh, Zo Zofar was mentioning, was talking about Chelsea. Obviously, that's his team. And I had been talking up uh, Joao Felix for a while, but he's not kind of like slingshotting out of midfield anymore. He's not getting those opportunities. They're actually falling more to Havertz. But the other reason he's not getting them is because, is because Sterling has become more involved and Sterling dribbles more. Um, and so he's kind of pushing that back line instead of like uh, having to rely on the late run. Um, so I think Sterling could be a good option for some kind of punt at some point, but but be very careful. Um, for me, it, it would just be like it would just be Chilwell, and obviously if you have Kepa. What are your thoughts on Leicester? Obviously, some people went early on, like the likes of Madison on the wild card last week, or they're looking to um, bring in someone like Madison next week for one of the second, you know, for their second um, Brighton mid when they blank, for instance. Any, any thoughts on that? And then obviously Gravy Dave as well mentions Castagna, who has Wolves in 32 when the blank happens and a decent double in 29. And Castagna was firmly in my thoughts for the um, wildcard, to be honest with you. Um, I, I just think he does have like a haul in him. Uh, like he can easily get like that goal and assist in a game, yeah. whether the clean sheet comes or not. What are your thoughts on the midfielders? Obviously, Harvey Barnes, um, we're waiting on injury news. He, he, he went off with a bit of an injury. Mm-hmm. I still think Madison's the best shout, but I found it very difficult to kind of have a team that was balanced enough to be able to have both Madison and say Bruno, because Bruno was someone I was looking at. So that's what's kind of pushed me towards the Harlem to Watkins move in 28, because then I can do something like Martinelli to Bruno in 29, and then also afford to buy Harlem back for 0.4 million and 30. If I was trying to get both Madison and Bruno, I, I just don't think I can fund that. So what what are your thoughts? Like, if you if you already have him, is this a good game for him against Chelsea? Was there anything in the data for Madison? Madison, yeah, for Madison specifically. Not I don't really. think so. Especially especially if um, if Barnes is out, he doesn't have the outlet. They don't have the the weak side runner. Um, I I don't know Leicester. I think you have to be a certain kind of manager. I, I can't own Leicester players because of Brendan Rodgers. I just never trust what he's going to do. And his decisions don't always make sense. Um, so I'm just out on lesser players altogether. My son brought Castagna in on, on a punt last week to see if, if he'd get something out of him. He's wildcarding this week um, and didn't turn out for him. So Castagna, yeah, definitely could get something. Uh, Madison can always get something because of the set pieces and because of how uh, talismanic he is for, for the team. But um, it's, it's just not for me. No, fair. Um, and I think if you had him this week when everyone's got a benching headache. I'd feel much more comfortable benching Madison this week than I would benching a second Arsenal. For sure. For sure. So, so I think that's probably a decent situation to be in. This is the one I've been waiting for. <laughs> I feel really, I, I feel like I basically wildcarded to get Kane instead of Salah and I fucking regret it. Um, they have no goals in the last three games, I think. Um, lost to Sheffield, knocked out 1-0. You know, fucking 1-0 against Wolves. Nil-nil in a must-win home game, mustering less than 0.5 xG. Subbing on Davison Sanchez with 10 minutes to go for Kulisevsky. Conte basically asking to be sacked. Conte out-trending today. 
Is it reactionary for me to just fucking move off Kane despite the nice fixtures and no blank? I, I'm, I, I am so angry at myself. Like, I literally sold him in 25 saying he was not worth the money despite the steady returns because he doesn't haul and his team do not fucking create enough. And then I see he suddenly doesn't blank and next thing you know, he's fucking back in my team. Um, I, I am honestly so angry at myself for owning him. And it just feels impossible to sell with these fixtures. Um, what mm-hmm. is it? Forest. And then what? Everton is the one in 29. I've forgotten what the 28 fixture is, but it's probably Southampton or something like Can Can I sell Kane before these three decent games? Nope. I can't, can I? So I've kind of I've fucking made my bed. And, I'm made your bed. and then he has a decent 30 and 31 as well. So it's like, I am now stuck with my imbalanced team holding on to him. I am just so angry at myself. Do, do you see? Do you at least see something for him in this match? Like, surely they've I got mean, to bounce back and respond. Like the net XG says they're going to do well. The attacking FDR says they're going to do well. But net XG one point six six, FDR three point three, headed matchup three point two. I can't sell that. You're right. I just can't. Not for a player who then blanks next week, for example. No, no, and and it's look, it's it's no secret that I'm not a Spurs fan. Right, <laughs> so I'm I'm pretty pissed off at myself that I went with Kane as well. Um, I'm not that pissed off because I, I might have gone with like Jean Felix or someone like that, which which wouldn't have worked out either. But um, but the the Kane pick was this just kind of like secure. Uh, it doesn't Guaranteed matter how much minutes penalties, yeah, like yeah, and and, and, his and, for his and the matchups and the matchups are still there. You have, you have Forest at, at home. Forest, I mean, Forest away, okay, can be a little bit tricky. Forest at home, you should do them. And and the, the right zonal matchup, I think, lines up nicely for Kulusevsky to be like maybe feeding Kane, um, providing chances for him. Um, so I, I, I think you, you got to roll with it. Look, you got about 25% chance of two goals. Um, you got a 38% chance of two or more goals. You just have you just have to keep rolling with Kane if if that's where you've gone, um, and he has the high ownership right now. Yeah, yeah, came he, into it. Yeah, the best part though is that if they do lose, well, he doesn't. As long as he, he kind of doesn't score and they lose, if they win and he doesn't score, I'll be pissed. But if they lose points and get knocked out the top four and Kane blanks. I can live with that as a good. Yeah. I, I can fucking. <laughs> like, I'll throw FPL out the window. I can live with that. Like. That I'll celebrate that more than the bloody FPL points. It's not like it gains me much. Um, just quickly going to respond to the Khan who's looking to start an FPL podcast. He asked what app YouTubers mm. use. Um, we use StreamYard. Um, you can check that out. There are free alternatives which require a bit more customization, like uh, OBS. So I think a lot of like the full time YouTubers will use something like OBS to go live or to edit videos. Um, it is a bit more work, but there's lots of free YouTube videos on how to use OBS if you didn't want to go through a paid platform. But what do you think? Some people bought in Davies last week. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Delete your team. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just, uh, it's a really weird situation. Obviously, some people are Poro. I think that's a bit more of an exciting pick than Davies. Yeah. But- it's as soon as he arrived, Emerson decided to play through his skin. So, again, I, I'm not so confident of Poro's minutes. So, is he someone who, without a double coming up, could he make way in 29 for someone like a Chelsea or United doubler in defence? I think 
I would monitor his minutes. I wouldn't be selling him before this Forest game, but right. with that kind of risk of minutes, I think Poro again is someone and Davies as well that I'd be looking to maybe move on. Um, anyone out there in the chat who brought in um, the reserve goalkeeper for 3.9 million? Anyone have Spurs' reserve goalkeeper while Lloris is out? Let us know if you're listening and you have him. I'm keen to know. Um, mm. I'm still trying to find a team that has him because lots of people asked in the chat last week, but I don't know if anyone actually went ahead with it. And um, finally, did you see Richarlison's interview? Very no. explosive interview. He said, I don't understand. I played against these teams. He said like West Ham, someone else, and we won. And then through no explanation, Conte don't play me. This season has been shit. Mm-hmm. That was his words. This season has been shit. All right. And he goes, I've not been playing enough. This season is shit. And he was just going rage mode. Um, surely that's not the way to get back into the lineup. Like Conte is not going to give him minutes after making that kind of interview. Surely, I I don't think I don't think he's expecting minutes. Conte's not going to give him minutes whether he says so that's that why or, he or, or he doesn't say that. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's why he did, does the interview. And I mean, he's absolutely right. Like how you're not playing Richarlison at the nine with Kane in behind at the 10, Son on the left, like a 4-2-3-1 and uh, Kulusevsky on the right is is beyond me. You can't, you can't, no, there's nobody there to win the ball. So the ball goes straight through, straight through the middle. Bentancur, Bentancur is, is injured, so there's no one there to stop it. There, You see even um, Forrest has a relative, like uh, their central matchup is similar to Spurs. It shouldn't be like that, right? Yeah, so um, Claire says she's starting Johnson versus um, Tottenham, and she's not sure about starting Kane. Um, yeah, no, I think, obviously, this is a tough week from a benching decision point of view, but I just feel if you've got that 12 million burning the hole in your pocket already and he's playing at home with these data points, I, I just can't see a world in which I would bench him. Um, but I imagine your alternative is to bench maybe like a second Arsenal mid, and maybe you feel that that Fulham game is better for Arsenal because of... Spurs recent kind of run of games, but I don't think I could ever bench him in this game. Um, no, you have to. It's, it, you have it's what to. you said. I've made my bed. I have to just yeah. play him through these next yeah. games. Come 29, despite the good fixtures in 30 and 31, depending on kind of what double game week assets look interesting, I may just get rid of him. I've, I've just had enough. I, I, yeah. I don't think he's worth that 12 million. I said this last time when I sold him. I'm still so angry at myself for buying him back. It was, it was just fucking FA Cup man like what, why did those teams all get knocked out and suddenly the blanks disappeared in 20 I was so happy to get rid of him I'm just I'm honestly I'm just so fucking angry at myself um, <laughs> I, yeah I, I just can't believe it um so what do we have here we have just seeing if there's anything so Catherine asked would you bring Kane in this week if you were on a wild card what are you thinking um I mean it's hard to sell him with a useful free transfer but if you're wild carding, well, let's let's just do a quick maybe uh, maybe rank um, rank rank the forwards really quickly for anybody on wild card right now. Because I mean, are you 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 could bring Kane in and not have Holland? Well, that's what I was gonna say. So for me, I'm looking to move Holland on for 28 and 29. But there is an argument to be made that if you don't captain Holland this week, he doesn't play in 28. You're not going to captain him in 29. As long as you can afford to buy him back where you don't have too much team value in him to get back in 30, it's kind of like, do you trust Kane over these next three games more than Haaland in his two games? Yeah, and and 
who knows how it's actually going to play out, right? But my perspective is Palace away is a good matchup for Holland. He's yeah, going to be up and I think that's where Nahal says like maybe merits of wildcard 28 of 27. So you, you could kind of keep Holland this week and maybe wildcard next week. Holland I think Liverpool, Liverpool at home is an unbelievable matchup for Holland. I w- I'm not going to captain him, but I want him. Yeah. I think he's yeah. got a good matchup away to Palace. Then he blanks, as many do. Then he's got a great matchup home to Liverpool. Then he's away Southampton. Then Leicester. You, you, you can't not have him off matchup. the 30. Yeah, you can't. Have, my, my punt is that I'm backing Watkins over three fixtures over Haaland in one, basically. And one of those three Watkins fixtures is Bournemouth at home. So that's just me kind of going for a pure numbers play. Like, I'm expecting six appearance points from those three games versus two. Now, right. Haaland could get a hat-trick against Liverpool and just completely bury me. But... Where I am in my rank, like it doesn't even matter anymore. Like I just and, need to go against the grain and find some way to fucking climb. Like, yeah, and and I mean, if we look at, um, you know, Kane has Forest home, Southampton away, Everton away. He he could out he could outscore Watkins even with one fewer fixture. Yeah, if I were on wildcard, I would probably I would probably have Harry Kane. I would probably make the mistake as again. Painful as it is, painful as it is. And and at um what is he? He's owned. He's got um. He was at seventy five percent, seventy two percent EO at my rank, eighty five percent in the top ten k. With those fixtures, I think you have to have them. I think so. Um, All right, let's go. And, to and, and it sucks, and I don't want to say that. It feels bad to say that. I, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but let's let's go to the next game, and we're yeah. we've got quite a few to get through. But I think we're at least past halfway. But some of these games we will um. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit I of a longer show today because we had the, a big intro. And we had we had some things that we had to talk about. Yeah, to get off our chest. Yeah, yeah exactly. definitely. definitely. Um, but I'm just, um, I've, I've also seen someone in the chat mentioned, I've not seen the lineup yet, but apparently both Saka and Martinelli start um, against Sporting tonight away in Lisbon. So see how that goes. Uh, the metrics here do kind of disagree, don't they? So the net XG mm-hmm. has Arsenal at 0.91. It has Fulham at 0.76. On the attacking FDR, we have Arsenal at 2.2, Fulham at minus 0.6 for an attacking FDR point of view. That is um, a bit of a difference. And I, I think it's the Bern Leno effect, right? Like partly yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The Bern Leno effect. And Fulham have played one match recently without Palinha. Every so has only got one out of six without Palinha. If we collect the Palinha less Fulham data, they are bottom two, maybe the worst defense in the league. <laughs> they can he, he's he's so like much. as important to them as say like Casemiro to United or Party to Arsenal. Like he really is, and he I plays that left him. center mid, mm-hmm. right? He plays the left side of the central midfield um, with um, with Reed. Is it no right? And Reed's on the right. Yeah, Reed, and then and and he's on the left. So he's and it it doesn't work like uh, mathematically like this, but he's gonna that area. That's a lot of Odegaard area. Mm-hmm. Odegaard going up against Fulham without Palinia is like it's prime. And he's on like every bench I've seen this week. He's on every bench. That's why I think and and so now and I we're think getting he's rested into, tonight as well by the sounds of it. 
Busy. So so we're getting into like the reasons for a bench boost this week. If you are yeah. benching Odegaard, I, I think you're benching a haul. You're, you're benching a double-digit haul. But I guess Hull. the question is, are you then still benching a haul when he plays home against Leeds in 29? I guess in that scenario, like a lot of us, like I'm speaking for myself, I'll be moving my second Arsenal mid to like Bruno or someone. So he wouldn't be on my bench, I guess, in that scenario. But still, like I'd be benching like Saka... Um, you know, I'd be benching Kane maybe with the single face. Like, I'm, I'm actually, actually, you know, actually, you know what my bench would be? No, I'm, you I'm bench Henry. Henry yeah, would be your say, bench. It would be bloody Henry. So, yeah, double away games for Brentford. It would yeah. be, I would probably, yeah, I would start Saka over these fuckers. Yeah. So, you're right. You, you would bench maybe Zinchenko or Gabriel, whoever the, the defender is. Yeah. Against Leeds, right? So, actually, like, it's very close on paper. The difference is you have to survive an international break and three more weeks from today. Four that's more what weeks I'm, from today. That's what I'm saying. People aren't, aren't comparing bench boost 27, 29 properly. They're comparing, like, they're like, oh, it's a bigger double. So, they're comparing all the players. But you, when you just compare the bench, it's basically Raya, Henry, a, an Arsenal defender, plus one, maybe Botman or someone like that that has a double. Oh yeah, mine will be um, my second right? Newcastle defender. Yeah, so yeah. so so you're getting so it's it's those four, right? Raya, Henry, um, Arsenal defender, and Newcastle defender. And then this week it will and be this like week... Otman home to Wolves, like maybe Odegaard and Chenko Gabriel away at Fulham without Polinia. and and like Sanchez or or Raya. Or I have Cap- Ward. Cap- I have Ward, Ward, man. I have fucking Ward. Yeah, I'm that Ward, Ward will prevent you from bench boosting this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, he, he's, he's got he, for me. He's got the tasty fixtures in 29, so I'm kind of yeah. stuffed there. I'm stuffed there. Yeah, and that's why if you do own Leicester players, and I think Late Riser brought this up on the wire as well. If you own, if you kind of own these players, Lester and and that Chelsea Madison and Ward, and, yeah, that, then then you then you're going for 29 for sure. But if you don't own these players, don't automatically go for 29 just because it's just the because it's the not Like if 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 the ones you're bench boosting are like you say Raya and Henry, is that extra fixture that week better than having Odegaard this week or Bob right. this week? That's and, a very and, good point. And I don't think it is for me because I don't own the Leicester players and all of that. So it's just one to, one to monitor as well. Bluefooter says Odegaard unwell. So it, just let us know, is he on the bench or is he just like fully unwell? So that's just one to monitor because that would make your benching decisions easier this week and whether you have him or not for the bench boost. I assume he'll be fine. Um, there was talk though. There were, Maybe there is something about this being unwell thing because there was a bit of a shit show on social media yesterday when Arsenal travelled to, uh, to Portugal and Fabio Vieira was spotted in photos like boarding the plane. And then there was stuff coming out saying Fabio Vieira has not traveled for illness. And people were like, well, what do you mean? Like there's a photo of him on the plane. So is he traveled and he's unwell and he won't play? Or hmm. is he fine? And like, this is bullshit. Now we're hearing a second player is on. I'm like, are they giving each other a cold? Like, I don't know. Like, are there a few Arsenal players that maybe are under the weather? We knew Jorginho was on well when he played that half. Maybe they served chicken sashimi on the plane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like I know that Jorginho, in that half he played a few weeks back, um, I think it was against Everton, he played the first half. He was also apparently playing unwell. Like He was playing with a gold and then party game on half time. So I do wonder if some of this has been um, kind of been passing around the camp. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, actually, any, any anything for Mitrovic owners? Is there someone still out there who owns him in the chat? Let us know. 
I think it's just the time to, oh, Odegaard not even on the subs bench, FPL Popo says. That is definitely one to monitor. If, if, oh. if Odeg- so if, so I, I have Sanchez, right? My my transfer this week would be Sanchez to steal and I bench boost. But if Odegaard is, is also out, then I'll then I'll shift my plans and bench boost in 29. So Andy Martin, it's good to see you back. When you watch the beginning, you'll see that I uh, talk about you and how you were the first <laughs> one a month ago who started the hysteria over the snowstorm. So he's enjoying enjoy that segment. You're the the conjurer of weather, the weather god. <laughs> he he is he is. Um, Man United versus Southampton. I've seen people talking about maybe benching Rashford this week. So obviously there's that tough decision between like United assets. People talking about benching Kane. I see someone talk about benching Haaland just to get like the second Arsenal mid out. This is a wild week from a benching point of view. I've never seen so many good assets being touted as benching personally there is not in a million years i'll be benching rashford at home to southampton i just don't like i can't and let's see the united lineup today i'm sure he does start probably but still like i just think that's wild i mean yeah you you know you know they're going to be angry and hungry and all 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 of those all of those things by the way um, on the goalkeeper minus 0.67 and i saw he was in the bottom five for xg prevented this season out of the goalkeepers well the interesting thing is that's home oh that's negative negative 0.67 is home and and away is pretty neutral a minimal effect so he's much better away which is which is an interesting thing for bazunu um, Man United net XG 1.6, Southampton 0.43, FDR says 2.2 for United and negative 1.9 for, for Southampton. Um, predicted almost 11 shots in the box, five shots on target, um, almost 2.7 big chances for United here. Um, the, the shots models have, have shot up for United, they've been increasing lately, except for the most recent performance, of course. Um, but I mean, sixteen percent chance of four or more goals for United in this one. That's that's like one in seven and a half, um, and that's that's just outrageous. That's huge, and the fact that the shots on target goal predictor it doesn't fall too far behind there um, shows that you know that they're performing their stats. So I mean, United to just ha- just absolutely trounce uh, Southampton here. I, I, I think I they're very reliant on Rashford too, right? So from my point of view, like he is to an extent like carrying them to where they are. Um, I do think that their second highest goal scorer this season after him is a DM. It's Casemiro, right? Like, can you imagine in like the Man City or Arsenal team or Liverpool team, the second highest scorer being their fucking CDM man? Like, so uh, like I understand United have been doing well. They're probably the third best team in the country, but... I do think like the hype that's been going on in the media for a few months about their title challenge. Um, I, I just think it's been a bit extreme from my opinion. Like they are very reliant on Marcus Rashford, who is playing at world-class levels. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. that's exactly why I wouldn't be looking to bench him. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, anyone who, so, someone in the discord asked, so I'm going to just put it from now because it's relevant to this, I believe. They essentially Don Black Dragon asked, has Perot lost his place? I was gonna transfer Perot out for a Brighton defender for Estupinan or Dunk. I heard Estupinan could be a minutes risking game week 29 because of international travel. If you had Perot now, would you move him regardless of whether he's lost his place yeah, to for get sure. that Brighton doubler? Definitely. I, no I think so. And yeah, like the that that's why like the he, 
he's not sure if to bring Dunk or Estupinian in. Estupinian is by far the better asset. I mean, it's not even close. But yeah, if he goes to Ecuador, I think the, the last game Ecuador plays is on the Tuesday. I think so it's in Australia on the other side of the world. And, and it's on the other side of the planet. But he does have several days to get back. Um, what I love and, about Estupinian is he gets the attacking returns. He can, because of the crosses and the chance creation, he's on the bonus and he doesn't play the full 90. So I love that he's pulled in like the 73rd minute. The, you try to get a cheeky clean sheet before <laughs> yeah. he gets white. And it's happened once this season. So I think it could happen again. He's by far the um, the best. I went with him game. over Dunk on the wild card despite the international travel news. I might be mistaken in this, but if you know better, let me know in the chat. My understanding was that Ecuador played the same opponent in both the friendlies and the international break. Yeah. So that game on Tuesday... They're going to play Australia, I think, and they will have already played them a few days before. Yeah. So there is every chance the manager just plays him in the first game and says, oh, yeah, like, I understand you want to be back for Brighton. Like, it's a long way to travel. I'll play you for the full game in the first one and you can rest in the second one. Maybe the manager wants to see his squad. Like, yeah. why Why would he play him in two friendlies against the same opponent twice in a few days? So as long as that fact, which I read, which is that it's the same opponent both times is right, which I'm hoping it is because I'm not it out there. Fine, exactly. So uh, like all this stuff about, oh, he plays on Tuesday. Like, he might not even play that game. We've yeah, seen this so true. many times in friendlies where someone goes on international travel and they get released early before the second or last game of the international because the manager's like, yeah, I understand. You have big priorities here. Your team might get Europe if you go back and you st stay fit. Yeah, yeah. They play Australia on the Friday and then they play Australia on the Tuesday. So yeah, in my opinion, and that's why I still went with his stupid at the time, was I just don't understand what manager for a friendly would play him in both. Like, just why? Just, just like, is he crazy? Like, why? So yeah. yeah, that's my opinion though. So yeah, I agree. If you think he will play the second game, then maybe don't buy him. But I just think that he's way more explosive for me. All right. Um, we'll talk about United more in the weeks ahead. I think when we start to look at kind of double game 29 and whether we want to get their assets for that. At the moment, I just think Rashford's a lock-in and we might want to look at the likes of Bruno and Shaw as we get closer to uh, the double. Any final thoughts on this game? Or are you happy to move on? Move on. Cool. We've got four more games to get through. I think some of these we might have to be quicker about, like West Ham versus Villa. Right. Um, I think West Ham versus Villa, let's definitely talk about this. But, you know, Ollie Watkins, cool. he has been frustrating over the years. But I do I, I do feel that, you know, with Danny Ings gone, the, the X minutes are there. He's got the penalties, like... He just feels like a nice asset to own. And if I was wildcarding this week, like some were saying, that's where like I do question what could I do with that money if I had him mm. instead of Kane, for example. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Watkins is a good player and he's he's kind of like extracting production out of low XG, which um could be a good thing, could be a bad thing, depending on how you want to look at it, right? Um, he has a nice low ownership, yet he is a talisman and he's on pen, so he could kind of like uh, kind of boost you up the ranks. But the the data kind of like Cone comes in. Um, well, we'll get to that in just a second. But the, the data doesn't necessarily agree. Aston Villa in the FDR is a minus two, uh, West Ham positive point seven. Um, NetXG damning, <laughs> damning. But NetXG is the opposite, right? If you look at uh, Aston Villa 1.13 compared to West Ham 0.98, so it sees it as as quite uh, an even matchup. But what's holding West Ham down is again the goalkeeper Martinez away, um, taking 0.35 off of West Ham's um, raw NetXG score. Um, I do see them as as you know West Ham. 
you know, I was saying that uh, that um, Watkins kind of extracts production from low low opportunities, low XG and stuff like that. And that comes to, to bear in the shots goal predictor. You see how Aston Villa is all red, 43% chance of a West Ham clean sheet. Um, and that's probably where Mariners negative two FDR for, for Aston Villa is coming from. So I think there's a bit, there is a risk going with Watkins. Um, but on, and then for, for West Ham, just flip over to West Ham. I think I have, I, I got Bowen on my wild card last week. I think he's a great option this week in a really nice matchup. Um, and what I'll say is Bowen in the double better than Bruno in the, and the double in 29 is better than Bruno in the double in 29, in my opinion. Yeah. That's something I'm going to have to think about because the way I set up my team, I can afford Martinelli to Bruno and then like Zinchenko to Shaw. But then I can't really afford to get to that Chelsea defender. And if suddenly the Chelsea mm-hmm. defender looks more appealing by then, I need to keep my mind open to the likes of Bowen and Madison as a cheaper option than Bruno. And if I am looking to maybe avoid that free hit 32, that would also make sense because then at least I'm getting like a player who does play in 32. So mm-hmm. I am definitely open-minded about not going but for Bruno. Not only does he play in 32, but he plays Bournemouth in 32. And and I think that makes and I and I think that makes Danny Ings an option over Ollie Watkins. And I think that's someone that people people are going automatically to Watkins because of the recent production. But I Danny Ings blank. Does Danny Ings play in twenty eight? No, not in twenty eight. So that's but that, maybe you could get to him off. in. But maybe you could get to him in twenty nine. So if, if you're willing right. to hold off, like if yeah. you don't want to, like say I'm doing Harlan to Watkins in twenty eight, mm-hmm. I could play with one less player and do Kane to Ings in twenty nine instead. Ings, Ings, Southampton home, Newcastle home in 29. Then they're Fulham away. Then Arsenal, which is a tough one. Then Bournemouth. Mm, it's yeah. a nice, it's a nice that's, run. That's a tough for, debate for me. For Ings, six, six point four million. Really nice value and, and not being talked about enough, in my opinion. And it says uh, uh, so. Travis says Ings is being rested today in Cyprus as well, um, saving them for the league because they don't want to get relegated. <laughs> Now, what the reason that kind of worries me is that I was going to roll this week, which means I have two next week and I have to use one and I can't obviously buy Ings if he doesn't play. And I wanted to have two in 29, which is I was only going to use mm. one of the two that I roll. Maybe I might make a transfer this week yet and then roll next week instead. Yeah, maybe. Maybe this is a something I'm open-minded to because if I can't get to Bowen, Ings does feel like an... I, I've actually been looking at Ings... Uh, for a few weeks now, I I do think he is kind of pretty much going to be that nailed on striker for West Ham. Obviously, I think Fella was in the chat and Claire as well. Like, let us know if anyone here thinks that, you know, Ings is any risk apart from the glass hamstrings. Apart from that, do, do you see any X minutes threats apart from that? So the, the other thing is um, Villa's defense, right? I, I'm, I'm looking at up where I, I had some uh, Villa defensive information here. Um, while you do that, Claire just says West Ham versus Villa head-to-head. The last time Villa won in the Premier League against West Ham was in 2015. Villa have lost the last five matches. Wow. It's a bit of a bogey team for uh, Villa, I guess. Yeah, and and Villa are away. And I think they have the highest or the second highest um, XGC in the past six or something like that. Villa's defence... Has not been good. They've been really leaky. So I think I think both Bowen, um, Bowen on, on my bench boost 
Um, I, I'm excited for Bowen on my bench boost against Villa. I, I think he's going to come away with something. Um, and I'll probably we'll see we'll we'll see how I manage 28, but uh, Bowen will probably be in my in my squad for 29 as well. Yeah, so you probably won't move him on to like Madison in 28. You're willing to just soak that one week without Bowen for the two juicy home fixtures yeah, in 29 yeah, and so. the blank if I too. Cool. Let's go to the next game. Um, as it's, it sounds like no one's going to necessarily be buying these assets yet this week, but if you were wildcarding, that is an interesting thought to maybe go for Ings over Watkins or Bowen over someone like Madison. Um, those are both interesting shouts. Newcastle versus Wolves. So I will, I will definitely be playing Trippier this week ahead of Zinchenko. Um, especially as Zinchenko starts tonight. Um, I am benching Botman at the moment. Is there yeah. an argument to play him as well? Or does that that's kind of part of the where the bench boost this week comes into it, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. I, I don't want to bench a Newcastle defender against Wolves. I mean, at home, no way. Um, look at the... There's 42% chance of a clean sheet for Newcastle according to the shots goal predictor. Um, shots on target even better at 57%. Say split the difference. You're looking at about 50% chance of a clean sheet is really nice uh, for, for Newcastle at home. Um, Newcastle attacking numbers have been, have been taking a dip. We've, we have seen that. And I think a big part of that is, uh, is Callum Wilson. He, his, he's not been in good form. I expect he's that he's struggling, start- hasn't he? In front of yeah. goal, I think maybe the manager and himself—they've both spoken about like they need to get him going, and you know, like obviously goals bring confidence in strikers. They're like buses. Once the first one comes, you'd hope the rest follow. But yeah, he's definitely struggling. He is, and I mean, goals bring confidence. But what do you do in the meantime? You just you're just okay with your team not scoring. You play. I I, I thought he'd play Isak last week. He didn't. Um, and then Callum Wilson missed the sitters. I, I think Isak would have scored, but um, but I think Isak will begin to start for Newcastle, and their attack will will begin to uh, shape up. What's interesting here is there are two matchups in this one, according to the uh, metrics here, that are really interesting for me. And one is the big chance matchup for Newcastle. Three big chances for Newcastle. I like. I mean, I think they'll score at least two of those. So I see at least two goals for Newcastle. And the headed matchup, 3.3 headed matchup, this just lights it up for Trippier. Um, sending just, just his delivery, right? Set pieces, corners, even, even in, in the gameplay. So um, I, re- I, like, uh, I like Newcastle here quite a bit. Yeah, no, I think I'm not going close to their attack. I'm, they are one of the four teams that have the most fixtures left to play for the rest of the season. They could mm-hmm. double in 31 alongside Brighton. They obviously don't blank in 28 either. Their double in 29 is not so bad either. So I think from my point of view, the double defense is the way to go for the time being. But again, like if Wilson starts to come back into it or if Isaac starts to take over that spot, you know, he could be someone you look at in 29 if you weren't so convinced by the likes of Watkins and Ings and Felix yeah. and Ianacho. Um, or for future doubles, you know. Or like for 31 even, yeah. So yeah. maybe that's somewhere you can go. But I think beyond that, again, like I can't imagine many are looking to buy these assets. Anything to say about Wolves? Bueno looks to be out with a bit of a hamstring issue for a while. Obviously, I had him and got rid of I don't think Wolves is a team I'll be looking to invest in for the remainder of the season personally, but... Yeah, again, they're not a team that I'm looking at. So let's go to the next one. We've got two more matches to go, including the big double game week matches. So Brighton versus Palace, the second Brighton game of the week. Palace are struggling. Um, Mm. I think their position in 12th flatters them in the table at the moment. If they don't fix up soon, they are going to start falling down that table very quickly. They have some tough games to come away at Arsenal as well next week. So 
this is really bad for them. Like they're in a really bad position right now. Um, really bad. Um, like, is there anything you put that down to? Like, I mean, all sorts of things. I mean, Palace are really bad. That the data for Palace is really bad right now because they've been playing without Saha and and without Eze. For some reason, I don't know why Patrick Vieira. Now, now that Saha is back, Eze is playing again. So he'll only play them together, which is really strange. I don't really understand that. I mean, Palace are a hard avoid. There's not much to talk about there except for how Brighton match up against them. Um, so yeah, I think Palace week, obviously double this week. So they are a doubler as well, which I didn't mention at the beginning of the show. I've almost spoken like only Brighton and Frentford double, but they are a doubler. They do play in 28. Are, I think are, the fact they don't double in 29, that's enough to put me off. If Zaha would be the only one I'd even be remotely interested in. But the fact he doesn't double in 29 and the way Palace are playing right now, I think is a hard avoid. So I think let's definitely focus on the Brighton side of the matchup as well. Yeah, I, I do think Zaha could score in this uh, rivalry game. But uh, on the Brighton side, uh, 1.68 net XG to 0.34 for Palace. And that's largely thanks to uh, the goalkeeper at home, despite, and this is mostly Sanchez data. So if uh, Steele is a better shot stopper than Sanchez, maybe um, that that might even improve or, or at least hold. I'm I'm making the transfer as long as there are no other injuries today or in Europe or anything like that. Uh, as long as Odegaard is nice and healthy, then I'll be making the transfer of Sanchez to steal for my bench boost. Um, the FDR looks at Brighton 2.2 minus 2.8 for Palace. So basically in alignment with, with NetXG here, the metrics all agree. Nothing to shout out regarding zonal matchups. Um, Brighton, the, these stats are so predicted 2.7 big chances for Brighton, 5.4 shots on target and 10 shots in the box. If we're looking at the three bright and then it's that's also supported by the shots and shots on target goal predictors here with a 10% chance of four or more goals for Brighton. So if we break Com down, we'll just compare that for a moment to the 10% chance of three or more goals for Spurs against Forrester, like at home, mm. like that is shocking. It shows you where both teams are at from a production point of view. And like, you wouldn't expect to see 10% for three or more goals for Spurs at home to Forest. Like, so yeah, definitely. I think Brighton are in a very good place at the moment. Very good place. And and for comparison, 17% chance of, of three goals um, for Brighton, 27% chance of three or more goals for Brighton. <laughs> so, so if we see goals in here for Brighton at home in a rivalry game, I do think Palace can score, though. Um, I am a little bit worried about Zaha. But um, but if you look at the big chances lately, the past three game weeks, I think it's um, Alexis McAllister that has dominated the big chances. So out of the three predicted, I would expect at least two to land a McAllister. The um, shots on target, say there's five. Um, you know, if, if you kind of split them up uh, evenly, 2-2-1 two, two, or 1-2-2 two, two, um, amongst the, the three mids, right? You expect Matoma to score his. You expect McAllister to score his and unsure about March. And then there's 10 shots in the box. And that's where really March could like come away with like a, a couple shots in the box on the weak side with like nobody around him and a little breakaway. So I think that that's where you're really looking um, for uh, positivity or for some hope for, for March here. But I, that's I why just, you I, don't make the March to McAllister move as your transfer this week, for example. Like I've exactly. made my bed. I, I just have to hope that it works out for him this week. But yeah, I think if you were wildcarding this week, I, I, I would still be looking at the Matoma McAllister pair, despite both the matches this week, maybe looking good for him. I know you said he plays um, against Troik in the Leeds match. Yeah. This game, it sounds like he might find some space too. 
So it does seem good for March on paper, but I think that's just more of a consolation for those who already own rather than like a let's go buy and because the data supports it. And it, and it's a decent one, I think, on, honestly. I think uh, it's very, it's probable that March gets a return at least in one of these games for sure. So, so I, I wouldn't discount it. So just a quick question here from the NYTG. March or McAllister, who passes the eye test and tops the stats? I think maybe we come back to that one in the captaincy metric because it is going to probably be very populated with Brighton mids. And I think that right will on. give us an idea of where they're at. Let's go to the last game of the week and then we'll do the uh, FDR and the XG um, summaries of the matchups and straight on to captaincy. Cool. So the last game of the week, Southampton at home versus Brentford. So Southampton are the other doublers. Again, I didn't mention them just like I didn't mention bloody um, Palace. I know some people went with Ward-Prowse last week on wildcard to bench boost him this week, hoping for that mm. penalty goal or a free kick goal or something along those lines. The data, this game does seem to be the better game for Brentford. The, the first game was not like as kind of chalk and cheese. Like This is definitely 2.1 net XG for Brentford away from home mm-hmm. to 0.89 for Southampton. I think if there was going to be a clean sheet for Brentford, this might be the game too. Southampton are really in a tough place. They're, they're in a really difficult situation right now, I think. Um, is there... This might it, a lot of it is obviously Bazunu. Like honestly, I'm telling you, like I, I thought like I'd been watching him. Like I'd been watching him and I saw someone say, Oh, I thought he's a good goalkeeper. And I, I was naive enough to think he looked okay at times. But I realized it's because he cost four million in fan team and he was just like my budget second mm. goalkeeper. So I never really looked into him much. And when I saw that XG prevented this season in the Premier League by goalkeepers, and he was down there in the like bottom five. And the reason I saw this graphic, by the way, is because bloody Sanchez was there with him. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so yeah, there was no clear sign Sanchez was going to be benched. But him and Bazunio are both down there as like the worst fucking shot stoppers in the <laughs> league. Um, the Hayers down there with them too, by the way, in that bottom five of XG prevented this season. Um, so I do think United will be looking well, to get a goalkeeper soon. I, I think the, the recent uh, 7-0 shellacking will, will, has, uh, has, some, has something to do with yeah. that. But, but this, this is how bad Bazunio is, right? In the last six matches at home, his XG prevented is negative 6.3. In so just six matches. In six matches. So he is basically giving up an extra XG with <laughs> per game. That is with, painful. And 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 that's why that's why Tony with that 2.7 headed matchup, the 3.0 central matchup. I mean, this is this is the reason to captain Tony right here. Um, so if you're going for Tony, this game is the one you're looking for the hall. Maybe it's the final yeah. farewell before a ban. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows with him? Um, my God, I hope he doesn't get a yellow in both games and is banned in 28. I guess it would make my oh, moves in 28 easier. I, I don't think he can, right? So he can be banned for the 28 oh, right, game, right. though. The one where he doesn't blank in the blank game, it could be a blank if he gets a yellow in both these games. So what happens if he gets two yellows in one game? Oh, so um, so that's a bit different. Like, I guess he would still miss this one game, but it would just be a one-game ban, so he would then play. So he played the first game of this tournament, sorry, this double game week, missed the second game, but he'd be there for 28. But if he gets would a yellow know? in each... Because well, I think you only... yellows would take him to ten, so he'd miss the next one, and then no, he'd get so, the ban on yeah. top of that. No, so, so I think technically I read that would count as a red. So it's actually better for him to oh, get. Oh, like, okay. Or maybe yeah. So it, it's just a very weird situation. I like, think it's both. I think it counts as two yellows and a red. So you, but then 
would that mean you'd get the two game ban for the 10 yellows so. and then a third game ban? Maybe. I need to look into that. Yeah. I, I thought he would, it would count as a red card suspension as an override to the yellow card suspension. But then maybe, maybe he, but then maybe like he'd then be on nine yellows and then the next yellow is still a two game ban. Yeah, so, I don't. Yeah. There's too much in the weeds. If anyone in the chat knows how that works, do let us know. I don't think yeah. many players have been in that situation in my team. Um, should we go to the summaries and the captaincy? I think that's the main thing. So we've got quite a few questions as well that we want to get to. So I think we just probably move on and we'll talk more yeah. about Brentford in the next sections anyway. So these are the matchup summaries. I'll let you go through kind of like the top five, I guess, um, in terms of the attack and defence. Then we'll look at net XG and then we'll go straight to the captaincy metric and questions so people can uh, go and see whether Arsenal can do it tonight and find out if Martinelli and Saka and Zinchenko stay safe out there tonight, hopefully. Yeah, just really quickly on the attack here, standout attacks. You have Spurs 3.3. Um, you have City 2.5. Um, and this is just for the... I don't think, yeah, yeah, they're not the individual up. matches. Yeah. These are the individual matchups. But if we're aggregating, right, Brighton, um, a 2.3 plus 2.4, so 4.7 for Brighton, obviously jumps out, right? And then the attacking one for Brentford, less so. It's only if you add them up, it's 1.4, which is actually a lot less than City, United, Newcastle, exactly. Spurs, Arsenal. And- <laughs> And that's what, and that's what, that's why I'm I, I'm leaning towards a a Brighton captainer instead of Tony, despite that nice uh, Southampton fixture. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I'm just seeing if there's anything defensively. I guess we got here Spurs as well, two point nine, Newcastle two point three. We have Man United one point nine. We have Brighton two point eight in one of the matches, and minus zero point four in the other. But it's still good as an aggregate. What about Brentford's double defensively? 0.4 and 0.0. Not great. And this is the better fucking double defensively than 29. I am starting to get nervous on this uh, bench booster. When when we get to 29, there's going to be a lot of red for those, for for like Brentford, for a lot of those doublers, it's going to be a lot of red. It is. So let's go to the net XG summary in case anything is slightly different here in favor of Brentford compared to Brighton. So we got 1.69 for Brentford in the first game and 2.1. So this is a bit more promising. It's about 3.8 for Brentford for the net XG. Right. Compared to that 3.8, we have Brighton on, let's say, 1.5. And what's... Oh, no, this is the aggregate already? Or is just Brentford? Do you see no, Brighton the second time? Brent... No, it got cut off. Oh, Brighton. Oh, yeah. so, so Brighton's 1.5 plus something. So I'll, Brentford, I'll get up. Yeah, while you get that, I'm just looking. So 3.8 for Brentford is the aggregate. Brighton is 1.5 plus... Plus 1.68. So it's like 3.2. Oh, so it's still better. Yeah, so it's still a bit better. All right. Um, should we put the jingle for the captaincy metric? And then once we've put that on the screen, we will have the showdown. We will see whether Tony beats out the Brighton mids to top the metric or if a single game weaker manages to sneak in. Drum roll. Drum roll, please. My boy. Yes, it is the man <laughs> of the hour, Karu Mitoma. We have um, Dr. PhD Dribbler, PhD in dribbling. 92 on the captaincy metric. We've got in second behind him, Rashford, 88. Fernandez, 87. Kane, 86. 
Salah 85, Saka 84, Tony all the way down at 82. Haaland is still there at 77. He's like in the kind of the second gang following. Hmm. Bowen, who you mentioned, has a quite tasty fixture that he's made it to the metric. 76, Darwin's there at 73. Martinelli and Odegaard on many benches this week also make it into the capacity metric with 73 and 72. So the first thing that screams out to me is that March and McAllister aren't in the top 10. The next thing is that Rashford, Fernandez, Kane, Salah, Saka are all ahead of Tony. Haaland's the only one behind them from like a potential captain that I would be looking at this week. Yeah. That Matoma metric is scary considering that, you know, he doesn't, like we've been saying he's touching the hug line more. He doesn't get as many shots, all this stuff. But can you maybe break down to us what's going on? Like how has Matoma flown so high up is is this just because of like tony's returns is 61 his halls is two and matoma's got you know 80 for his halls will that play a big factor let's talk about brighton a little bit first uh the reason matoma's there is because he's consistently in good positions there were a few game weeks when estupin young got a little bit forward and and matoma was wide for a little bit that will happen of course but but this is why matoma is one of the two best picks there is because he's always their danger guy. They're, the agent of chaos is going to break the other team down, right? So Matoma's de- it doesn't surprise me to see Matoma top because also the other two, March and McAllister, they have like divided stats. So March, I think, did better when McAllister was playing deeper. And now that McAllister's at the 10, March isn't as effective. But McAllister only has three game weeks of data at the 10. I think if we were, if, if, um, Mariner were to shorten this from the last six to the last three, I think McAllister tops the metric. And that's something Um, that I guess that's where you're probably leaning more towards with the extra route to points with those penalties. Um, He's almost playing like a second striker, right? Like when they get into the box, McAllister does seem to appear right in the center quite regularly. Um, With that kind of new insight, the last three games, despite the small sample size, I think if you had McAllister, you would probably, in your cases, you're saying lean towards him over Mitoma for the captaincy. For someone like me who only has March and Mitoma, this makes one thing clear to me, which is that it's really between Mitoma and Tony for me. Um, March is not someone I'm entertaining, despite right. those zonals that might favor him and the weaker fullbacks he's playing. So that's I my think, shout. What do people in the chat think? Let us know who you're captaining as well while we chat. Yeah, and, and I think, Nima, the, the question for you is, are you going to finally... Um be loyal to the metric again or are you going to keep going rogue and and hovering hovering around 600k because of your rogue shouts i wish it was 600k the, the wild card set me back to like 800 or 900 um that's probably the worst wild card in the 10 years i've ever played um i'm, I'm, I'm hoping obviously the too the, soon the, to judge the, brother yeah that's what i was gonna say i'm hoping the whole kind of wild card isn't for one week and like that is between i've definitely lost the points don't get me wrong like i regret that 100 percent, but I can only hope to claw some of it back now and I get back into it. I'm more, I'm less angry that I wild carded and I'm more angry that I benched Matoma for March. If I had got that call right, mm. I don't think I'd be so bitter about the wild card. So it's actually the benching I'm angry at rather than the wild card itself. And and as you should be, dude. Yeah. So why did you go March over Matoma? And this is where I was saying about the noise and the influence. So I had Matoma in the team on the bus team the whole week. I bought Matoma for a fucking minus eight, like in game week 23 early, yeah. even though he was blanking 25. Like, had I not wildcarded, Matoma would be the one I start because he'd be the only one I owned, right? He was the one I really loved. He was my favorite Brighton mid. I didn't even think March was good. 
and he had the higher EO, which is so different to my normal play, right? Yeah. And I think I just got sucked into this bullshit from people who are like, yeah, yeah, like March is always there. He's getting so many volume of shots. His, his numbers are insane. And I blame myself here. I like to watch matches a lot, watch match of the day. And I hadn't watched Brighton as often as I should. And I've always thought Matoma's their best player. I keep saying this, but I just got sucked in. So I read too much and I just thought, oh, you know, Matoma's blanks for me the last two fucking times I relied on him. Let me roll the dice. So it was more like I was bitter about previous times he didn't get goals for me when I finally brought him in. And then despite the blank, I brought him in. He didn't get me points. And then I was like, this is my shiny new toy. I just got marked from my wild card. I'll play that prick. So I am still livid about that because that, so, that is all on me. So, well, it, I think it's also, and this is where I think the criticism on content creators is valid. Like you can't come out there and shout out a bunch of stats that have happened in the past 12 game weeks when things in the teams have changed, right? So you, so you see like there, there are posts like, oh, in the last eight game weeks, March has all these stats and it's much better than everybody else. Yeah, but things have changed, man, in the, in the last month. So like these, and, and I think you got sucked in by that kind of noise. And I think content creators need to take responsibility for these bullshit takes that have nothing to do with football, that have everything to do with their own fantasy teams. They have March because March had the stats. So they want to promote that narrative, even though it makes no football sense to do so. Or they'll just ignore the football altogether and just say stats, like these random stats in the wind, as if they're not connected to any kind of reality. Um, hey, what's up? Good Mariners, time. Mariners, just, uh, hello from Hamburg, just in time for my little rant here. Um, <laughs> he's so, missed the uh, rant at the beginning, the first 15. Yeah, yeah, the there's rant. more, Mariner. Um, so, so this is where I think content creators really need to step up and take responsibility for promoting these narratives that are just not founded in reality, that are I've, only I've founded seen, in yeah. their own teams. I've seen it a lot recently. So, obviously, I used, I haven't written for a few seasons, but when I first started out, before we obviously did YouTube and stuff together. I used to write the transfer trends article at Hub and, you know, I'd look at the top transfers in and out each week and compare the positions. And it was something I really enjoyed. And I can comfortably be honest with you guys and now say that it is so easy that if you've already got what you want to write in your head to find the data to support whatever conclusion yeah. you're going to reach, like you can literally just look at whatever period of week supports whatever case you're putting forward. And I'm saying this from a position of like just being candid and honest and I think I should have known better as someone who's written before in this scenario that you could literally prove any point you fucking want by just pulling up a stat that supports it. And I'm going to go back to watching more games again because that was one of the things I loved about FPL. It made me interested in watching games I wouldn't normally watch, seeing assets in those fixtures. I used to buy players if their stats were shit just because I thought they looked good in a game. Yeah. And I've not been doing that enough this season. And that's something that, again, I'm going to learn from this year and try and just enjoy the game more and do some more maverick moves and but at the moment i do have march as it stands um i'm personally not going to captain my brighton midfielder i don't think so i'm just happy they both play and i don't have to bench one of march or mitoma and yeah hopefully i get points from fucking one of them or both of them but to tony for me i guess the, the, the case i want to make here is i just feel that he's kind of like playing on thin ice like i don't know how much longer he's gonna play before he can't play for <laughs> like borrowed time yeah it's almost like this is his chance to like get as high up in this golden boot race as he can before he potentially <laughs> doesn't play again for the rest of the season um the the penalties definitely do make me want him so i think where you've got McAllister and he is the penalty taker and if you look at the last three 
he would probably be higher up here. I think for mm-hmm. you, it's a much harder decision because then you're looking at two penalty takers against each other. Right. And Brent, uh, sorry, Brentford's kind of numbers, when we looked at the FDR and XG across the two games, they're not as good as they are for Brighton. So I think if I did own McAllister in this scenario, that would be a much tougher captaincy call for me. But because I'm still a bit burnt by Matoma, and I know like by not captaining him, it's not going to hurt me. I'm still going to gain something. Yeah, I just feel like Tony's like going back to my roots, probably going to be the highest EO. He'll be over 100%, I think. Tony should be over 100% EO. So it, and that is your roots, right? That that's yeah. your comfort zone. That that's that's. So so I should I go back to how I normally used to play when I was doing well. Exactly, yeah. you should. You, you should. So that I can stop blaming content creators, and from my <laughs> side, and from my side as well. Apologies to anyone who did wildcard last week. Um, to be fair, on the show, I was pretty much saying I wasn't going to wildcard. So, I think we were quite even, right? Like you were going to wildcard, I wasn't. So, I think we had both parties present, and we made our cases for it. I then got sucked into wildcarding anyway as soon as I saw all the flags for the likes of Enketia, James, Bueno, like half my team went missing. Um, that made me panic a bit. I'm not going to lie. And seeing that United <laughs> fixture for Liverpool also made me panic a bit. But I regret all of that. So let's answer some of the questions. We're going to do the questions quick fire, just because the match has started now. But so the first one was from Combe. Are we going to start looking at Chelsea assets now? I think the answer is Definitely, yes. Um, I am definitely now looking at one of their defenders over Luke Shaw in 29, personally. How about you, Gabe? From a quick five perspective, is Chelsea assets something you're looking at? Are you still thinking about them? Yep. Chilwell over over Shaw for 29. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, agreed. Just a few comments in here. So the next one was, I think 1FDE does make a point um, that the record at Anfield for United's poor one goal in the last five Premier League games. And although it might be an anomaly game based on this season, it's perhaps not an anomaly game in terms of United going to Old Trafford where they do struggle. You would have thought that a new manager and 300 million later, you know, they would go back and they'd do better than they did last season, but... I mean, I, any any seven nil anywhere is an anomaly. That yeah, like that, that doesn't happen in football, right? Yeah, like, so, yes, it, anomaly. It's a rest, It's an anomaly in that sense, but maybe not an anomaly in the sense that United do struggle. At yeah, yeah. I think that true. both can be facts. Like both can be just yeah, because that true. one's true doesn't mean that it's not an anomaly of a match this season. Um, Correct. So Ekaterina asks, is it worth Haaland to Kane for a one-week punt or better to invest in a double up of Brighton mids ahead of Wildcard twenty-eight? I think with Wildcard twenty-eight where you could then just get Kane for that fixture in 28 if you want him still then, I would be going for the double Brighton now and then dealing with that problem on the wild card. Um, what else do we have? We have... A lot of these were just comments. So K7 asked, what do you guys think of this bench boost 27? Kepa, Saka... I think that's... I think that's Zin, Zinchenko. I think that... Uh, I thought that might have been like the Brentford midfielder, but no, that's... That's Jensen, not Z- not Zenson. No, 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 yeah, that's Zenchenko. Spelled with an E, um, and Botman. Um, I, I'm just trying to think who you're playing instead of Saka because normally there'd be like a second Arsenal mid here. So, and well, if you had Madison, then he could have been. could have Rashford, Salah, two Brighton mids. Yeah. All right. Fair. I think this is a bit more opinion for a bench boost to me than if it was like Martinelli on the bench, for example, which I have. The and I I think there's a great bench boost. The only thing I don't like about it necessarily is uh is Keppa. 
with with a single. I like I like my goalkeepers to have two game weeks because any goal can happen for any reason. We saw we saw Billing get one early against Arsenal, right? So, yeah. um, and that that's why I went for for the Brighton goalkeeper. But that being said, I think I think that's a fine bench boost. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So Popo says Salah will be his captain in double game week 29 against City and Chelsea. That's not a question. I just thought I'd put it up there to show mm. how refreshing it is that people are just playing their own game. Yep. Um, asked, I'm going to throw March and bring in McAllister. Should I do it? No, nope. I didn't think it's worth doing. Um, but again, like it depends. Like if you're looking at the teams you want to build towards and that use of the free transfer doesn't harm you so much, then maybe it's okay. Mike also asked about what's the thoughts of bench boost 27 for those who wildcarded 26. Huge benching headache this week. Slightly better fixtures this week, but not as many doubles. I mean, this has been like one of the common themes of the show. And it is, of course, very team dependent. I know that's a very easy thing to say. But I just don't like the players I have in 29 for a bench boost. But I'm going to stick with it because I have the likes of Warden you know, in my team right now. And and, and on, on that point of, of not as many doubles, there are more doubles in 29, it's true. But it, it, the only thing that matters is your bench. Just look, take your worst players, so your single game week players, what, or 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 maybe maybe your single game week players aren't even your worst players. But put your, like Henry, for example, will be a double game week player. That could be one of your worst players in 29. Put them on their, your bench and just compare benches. Do not compare your starting lineups. Just compare benches, and I think you'll see it is worth it. Nice. Um, a few more. So, William asks, "What's a bad matchup for Holland? Everton? Question mark. Is there a bad matchup for Holland? Yeah, I, I thought when we talked about it last week, I thought Newcastle was a bad matchup for Holland. And, and Bruno Gamarish was back, and yeah, yep. I know Shaw was out, so there was like, you you get you you win one battle, you lose the other. It kind of felt like no one was passing the ball to Holland. Just on that match, because obviously we talk about the matchups ahead, not the match before." I, I did not think De Bruyne did very well that game. And I don't think anyone was looking to get the ball to Harlem no. in that fixture. Well, he looked frustrated. Yeah. And I mean, in in general, there shouldn't be a bad matchup for Holland. But when there is, typically when, when you have a, a lone striker, it's a bad matchup if they're playing against three at the back. Because okay. then then the, that one defender plays deep and there's not space to run into. So when they play three at the back, you want to play with two strikers. And that's why you've seen Gundogan push a little bit more forward. They're almost playing like a 4-2... They're not a four at the back, but like a two midfield and a four up front. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's all I'll say. Cool. So we have a one FTE asks, is it really a good idea to bench boost 29 as many of the wildcard players play each other? That's also another kind of valid point to add to this. It's not just that there are doubles. It's that you've got like attackers playing your defenders in those extra fixtures. And that, that's mm -hmm. one worth thinking about as well. I'm still going to bench boost that week, but I'm going to be flexible. I think when we spoke a few weeks ago, I told you about like remaining flexible and how that served me well last season. Mm -hmm. If I come out of the international break and my team is not looking great, I may consider a free hit instead to get the ideal 11 for the double rather than the bench boost and just bench boost in another random week. So that's something yeah. I'm going to keep open and on the table. I don't want to just fully be wedded to this bench boost and then not be open to the information that comes to us over the coming weeks in the international break. So that's something to bear in mind. Um, if you think your team is better for bench boost this week, go for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, th I think a lot of people have gone into 29 automatically because it's the biggest double game week, but I don't. I think it's not necessarily the best. Now, if you're wild card in 28 to bench boost 29, maybe that's a bit more exciting. There is yeah. still a two-week break, but that, that could be quite exciting. 
Matthew Kane asks, Dunk or Estupinan? I think we covered this earlier. I think we both firmly on the Estupinan side, um, despite the travel to Australia. I just think his ceiling is much more. I, I like, if you don't know how to pronounce Estupinan, um, what, listen to the Planet FPL Clash of the Correspondents. And Sam, the correspondent, he, he said, uh, my stupid nan. My stupid nan. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen that one moving right here. My stupid nan. Oh, I love that. Um Cool. So the NYTG asks, is Madison worth keeping? Um, I, I think definitely, just because like it's yeah, an you easy bench this week. This is a week where you're str- people are struggling to decide who to bench. Yeah. You then have that fixture in 28, and I do like the double in 29. Um, I think he's a hold for the time being. And then it's another one about, would you bring in McAllister for March? I think this is a tough one. I, I wouldn't. I, I just think if you don't think that that one free transfer is going to change your plans between now and 32, then fine. But I'm just convinced there's going to be so many other things i'm trying to deal with and so many plans i have that i just can't justify that move personally but yeah. if it works for your team that's fine just seeing if there's anything else here so a couple from the discord before we get to Combs' question as well so the ones i have from discord message from mariner while you look up those uh hit like if you haven't please and if you do like this stream like it share it uh we appreciate it thank you so Harbour Boy on Discord asked, if your team is full of Liverpool, Arsenal, Kane, Haaland, Trippier, who do you now drop for your Game Week 27 doublers? I don't think you can drop Liverpool, Kane, Haaland or Trippier personally. So as reluctant as I am to say, if your Arsenal players are the likes of kind of Martinelli who plays tonight, Zinchenko who plays tonight and then has to play on Sunday again, I just feel like through gritted teeth, I would still be benching them over the other players that he's mentioned personally. Is there anyone there you would bench instead? Kane, Liverpool, Haaland, Trippier? I just don't see how I could bench any of them ahead of like Gabriel Zinchenko or Martinelli. I would bench, I would play like like Gabriel Zinchenko or Martinelli. I might play Martinelli over uh, um it would, have to be, it would be Liverpool or Kane or Haaland. I guess that's the thing. When he says Liverpool, if it's Gakpo, that's a different story. I'm assuming Salah, like you've got the big boys. But right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, if, if you've got Gakpo, maybe that changes things. If you've got Odegaard as well, obviously he's not on the bench tonight. There's a bit of an illness going around apparently. So that's one to monitor. Mm-hmm. There's one. We, there's a really quick one here from uh, from Com. Boma yeah. versus Holland next three game weeks. I have Tony. It is a punt. I, I don't want to be doubling up on that. It's better than doubling up on the defense like I have, but <laughs> I, I, I would not like, I would still prefer to get what we were saying earlier, like Brennan Johnson from Forrest with those doubles in 29. Um, or Danny Ings. Or Danny Ings. Yeah. yeah I, I, I guess it's just Danny Ings doesn't play in 28, but. Oh, right, right, right. Of course. Does Brennan Johnson play in 28? Yes. He does, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, and he has the good double in 29. Fine. And, you know, these days, Spurs are an easy fixture, so I wouldn't be surprised if Brennan Johnson scores a goal to really bury that knife into poor Conte. We have a question from Salah the Samurai. I think that's William. Two questions. I currently own Kane and Emerson Royale. Should I hold on to them with Forrest, Southampton and Everton in the next three, even though they don't have any doubles? I think we would both agree that if you go back to the part where we talked about Spurs, obviously that Kane is probably a keep. Emerson Royale is a bit of a tougher one, right? With the Poro kind of rotation between them. And I don't really rate Spurs that much defensively. Um, 
I, I would look to move on Emerson Royale, but yeah, maybe for a doubler in 29. I, I don't know if I'd be going like for the Chelsea player this week. Maybe you can go for a Chilwell early, but I, I, I would consider moving Emerson Royale on. He also owns Nacho and Madison. Should he move one, like, should he move Nacho on to Tony and another mid, like, for example, to Bowen or a Brighton mid? So he only has Matoma. He's wondering whether he should do like Madison to Matoma. I'm not sure he's got Matoma. So maybe Madison to McAllister, Madison to Bowen this week, or Nacho mm. to Tony. He likes Brentford's double game week this week. He's not sure about their double in 29 versus Brighton and Man United. What are your thoughts there? Do you keep Ian Nacho and Madison this week, or do you move? one or both of them on i'm of them on yeah for for a doubler so yeah so tony would be the inacho replacement and obviously he doesn't blank uh bowen yeah. or a second brighton mid would be the madison replacement i think the nacho to tony move just because brendan rogers loves subbing him off early for no yeah. reason i understand makes more yeah. sense i don't think i would move madison on still just in a week where we're struggling with mentioning headaches again i keep saying I would bench Madison this week, play him in the blank, and then he's got an and, okay double. And, and it's not like it's not like Madison or or the or the Brighton doubler. It would be like whoever you're benching for yeah. the for the Brighton doubler. So it's probably like Odegaard or Saka or the Brighton doubler. And the difference is not that much to, to take that hit or, or make that extra transfer. I agree. So Daddy Bot Jonathan asks the question on everyone's lips: Which Brighton mid, if you can only get one, and do you captain him? I think we'd both say McAllister and captain him. McAllister and captain him. And there are still, I just came across another thread that continues to recommend March. These, these people are, are not seeing reality. They're seeing their team. They're seeing sunk cost fallacy. They're seeing that they've been recommending March and they can't change their minds. So don't get, don't get swayed by them. As I but say, I only bought him because I couldn't afford McAllister. So like, I literally would not want him near my team. Um, yeah. So Claire, the final question on Discord, and then there's one more question from FPL Popo we'll come to before we get out of here. Claire says, I've not done my transfer yet in case of the Leeds or Leicester games being called off for snow. She's going to wait as long as possible. She has Tim Ream on the bench at the moment, away, oh, sorry, home at Arsenal. She might do Ream to Estupanan, but then that leaves her with a benching headache if she makes that move. So she would have to bench one of Gabrielle, Badia Shield, Grealish, Odegaard, Trippier, or Kane. At the moment, she has a bench of Odegaard, Gabriel, and Reem. She's starting Trippier, Badia Shield, Rico Henry, Matoma, Grealish, Saka, Rashford, Johnson, Kane, Haaland. I like the Reem to Estupanan move. And reluctantly, I would probably just bench Badia Shield out of that lot. That sounds right. I agree. That, that's my opinion. Yeah. Hopefully, it's useful. Um, Popo asks, between Saka and Haaland, who to bench? I think this is a nice, fun last one before we go. Mm. Let's see who just scored for Arsenal before we answer that question because it's 1-0 Arsenal. And the goal scorer is... William Saliba. Assist by Saliba. Saliba. (laughs) (laughs) It's a tequila song. That's our uh, Saliba song out there. Exactly. There we go. Nehal's there as well. So, well, if it had been Saka who scored, that might have changed my opinion. No, but I think the rest, like for Haaland, I think one thing you've got to ask yourself is he's been rested this week. He's got the one-week rest. But will he be hooked early for the Champions League tie next week? Like if Arsenal go comfortably ahead tonight, and I think that's why I can't answer this question until you see how we do tonight. And if Saka comes off early and Arsenal are a few goals ahead, he will not probably start next week. 
at home against Sporting. So then Saka has no reason to be subbed off earlier away at Fulham. Yeah. Whereas Haaland, yes, he's had the week's rest, but if they're comfortably ahead or, you know, like does, is he the one that makes way? So I think you've got to wait and see how this Arsenal game goes. Overall, though, as much as it pains me again, I just don't understand. Like, if you're going to bench Haaland, just fuck it, sell him, man. Like, sell him this week instead of next week and buy him back in 30. Because if you own him and you're benching him this week, I I, I, I don't know what to say. That, that's just a... I can't bench a 12 million asset. Like, I'm, I'm okay sorry. with it. I'm okay with it. I would I, w- I would play Saka over Holland because I think Saka has the better matchup. I think Holland will be you know they'll be thinking about um, the Champions League next week. There's there's that risk, right? Um, if, how, about, how, about this, how about this narrative, Gabe? So mm-hmm. Kane is out of form is the narrative, right? Is the current narrative that Kane is out of form, right? So mm-hmm. he has one goal and one assist in the last three league games. Okay, what's the narrative about Saka that he's in form, right? And he has one goal and one assist in the last three games. I, I just thought I put that just for people yeah. to think. Yeah. Like this is what I was saying about how yeah. it's so easy to manipulate data to just prove whatever the fuck you wanted to say from the beginning. Because right now everyone's telling me that oh, I'm gonna bench Kane. He's in shit form. I ha- I'm playing Saka. He's in you know incredible form. It's like yeah, like I'd like to think Saka's in better form than Kane as an Arsenal fan. But from a returns point of view, yeah. That's a fact. They both have a goal and assist. So it's just an interesting point I thought I'd put out there. Now, thank you to everyone who tuned in live. We've really enjoyed having you here with us and especially for sticking around despite the Arsenal game starting. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Delia. It's lovely to be one goal ahead. Um, Travis as well. Thank you so much. Um, he's higher on Ings and Stupid Man now. <laughs> and then Popo says he's never selling Haaland because he's free hit 28. Yeah, no, and, and and he thinks that Liverpool home game is great, like you said in twenty nine. So yeah, I think that kind of free hit twenty eight is definitely good. But um, yeah, no, honestly, guys, um, been a pleasure. We will see you next week for the final one before the international break. We will see if we can get a guest on. I, I do want to get Andy on. So Andy, if you're still watching this part of the show, I know he went straight back to the beginning once he joined the chat. So he'll get here. He'll, he'll get hear here. this in a couple of hours, but. Andy, we would love to get you on in the international break if you're up for it. Um, so, yeah, let, let, let's chat about that offline. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit that like. We will see you for the next episode next week. Quick thank you to some of the haulers as well. So, super haulers on YouTube, Harbour Boy, Daddy Bot, Greenback Golf, Tahar, and Robbie. We have our Patreons, Elron and Lucien. Then our haulers, William, Tursks, Catherine, Dom, Claire, FPL DG Boy, Akshay, Seahunt, Lindsay, Davindra Raj, Fancy Football Casuals. Tom Gorosh, Blonde, S. Scottism, FPL Teacher, Oscar Arias, Donny FPL, Mike Halpin, Kevin Rose, Podner, FPL Craig, Dread FPL, and New Hauler, Salah the Samurai. So thank you all for all your support. As always, we will see you next time. And may your arrows be green this time um, for those of us that struggled with the complete capitulation of Wildcard 26. Hopefully things go our way now. But Good to see you, Gabe. Pleasure as always. Thank you to Mariner for tuning in and for all his work, despite traveling for work, to get the data out. We will see you soon. Peace. Peace.